now. Three, two, one, go! What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Cooldown Time. My name's Marco. I'm your graphically outdated host. Joining me as always, technical mess of the show, Pablo. Uh, Pablo, lots to talk about this week with the future of Xbox finally getting revealed. Um, Slow news week. Yeah, another one of them, huh? Um, <laughs> so we have a lot to unpack this week, and, and so much so that we are kind of changing the format of this week's show a little bit because you know we don't want to ignore the elephant in the room all the way up until the the, the last part of the episode so we're going to be tackling the xbox business update uh right at the front of this episode so we're moving our main event of the show which is the checkpoint chat all the way up to the start and then we're going to kind of follow that up with our loadouts and then our news segment that we call hit points so just a bit of housekeeping there for all you listeners but pablo look um, before we get into the shits, let's uh, let's do a little life check in, man. How you doing? Yeah, uh, not too bad. Uh, I got sick again. I I, I swear Come to God, on, people who who listen to this damn show would think we're just like some some fucking pus filled, mucus filled <laughs> monsters, Ew. consistently and constantly sick, spewing from every orifice in our body. Not the orifices. Uh, yeah, yeah, but 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 the reality the reality is is is. This has been a weird ass fucking flu season. I didn't get my flu shot, and my son's with the daycare and all that shit. It's just been a it's been a mess. It's mm. been a boogery fucking mess. <laughs> but we're surviving, getting better, getting through it, uh, and uh, you know, ready to talk about some Xbox bullshit. Uh, you know? Apparently not. You're ready to talk more about pus and boogers. Uh, hey, man, to hand you. in hand, hand in hand, baby. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need some hand sanitizer. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sick anymore, so I don't know why you threw the Wii in there like we're going through it together. It only happened to me once. You're on, like, illness number seven right now, so you're hey, going man, through we, 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 It's like a marriage where, you know, we're just one, you know? We do this no. together. When I'm sick, you're sick, you know, so on and so forth. No, that's not how that's to represent just, me. No. That's just science. <laughs> not the science i know uh but look thanks for asking once again i'm doing great um you know i'm i'm here uh another busy week in the books uh <laughs> birthday birthday festivities coming up for your boy yeah that's right I'm turning Next uh turning 39 man 39 you're old 39. as fuck man that's crazy yeah man full-blown don't, don't you share a don't you share a, a birthday with jordan i remember I do. that good oh, old yeah, MJ. jordan yeah good friend of mine friend of the show um checks in all the time uh but yeah yeah it's about the only thing that's uh noteworthy about my birthday is somebody <laughs> else's birthday <laughs> but uh hey look man happy to get to this age i'll tell you that and I, I feel it i feel it every time i get older now uh, mm -hmm. i do i do feel that that shift um i'm doing a lot of creaking and, and crackling more than ever now uh but you know what it is what it is i'm starting to get a little arthritic in my hands man a little bit of the like oh this controller kind of hurts to hold after a while type type, oh, no. type beat so yeah, so I'm um, I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out like, do I need to invest in like a different type of controller thing that's a little bit more comfortable? Like, what do I got to do here? Because I thought you were thumbs, gonna say, man. I thought you were gonna go wild and be like, I'm gonna have to buy the Xbox accessibility <laughs> controller. <laughs> I'm like, yo, hey man, I'm gonna play with my elbows today. <laughs> that's so fucked up. <laughs> 
I'm not dissing nobody. I'm just saying that's no, what I might have not, to do. Yeah, I know, but it just sounds fucked up, and I love it. <laughs> well, look, man, uh, we have a lot to tackle this week. I thought we'd start off since, you know, there was a lot of anxiousness about the Xbox business update. It kind of got me to thinking of a good icebreaker to kind of get the, 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 the juices or the pus, uh, in this case, ah, rolling. Yeah. Um, so let me kind of kick this question over to you. I'm curious to get your answer to this. Uh, because out of all the huge announcements we have witnessed throughout the history of the gaming industry, Pablo, which one is the one that gave you the most anxiety or butterflies as it was happening. I got two answers for this. I I, I think the anxiety portion of it was during that time between the Xbox one reveal and the PlayStation four reveal Mm. as to that disaster that Xbox one had delivered and what PlayStation four was going to do next. That, that in between was kind of like, are we just going to have shit? consoles this cycle because i was very much not a fan of the xbox one presentation but in terms of butterflies and, and and being in the moment and being excited was i think e3 2016 when they finally showed off breath of the wilds for the first time uh and they showed clips of it and it just looked absolutely unreal at that moment in time i think they were still calling the switch the next the nx uh, uh oh yeah yeah, yeah i remember that and so it was yeah. like the, the new zelda game for the nx console coming out next year and it just looked absolutely stunning you know obviously they also said i was running on the wii u which it just i just couldn't believe it because of how incredible it looked and just everything that they showed in that treehouse presentation if i'm not mistaken it was a treehouse presentation blew me away and i just had butterflies in my stomach the entire time because this was the the first time that i can remember where a zelda game was really like was really taking that step forward into the next generation of gaming in a way that i wasn't even expecting so that yeah those are my two answers for that yeah i'll be nervous about that yeah it's a big Mm -hmm. risk you know yep but um yeah I, i see that um i think for me it would be e3 2015 when we finally saw the trailer for final fantasy 7 remake for the first time oh yeah um they didn't say what it was. Mm-hmm. They just kind of did a little hinty, you know, smirk thing on stage. And then all of a sudden, I start seeing some some familiar sights. It's looking real Midgar-ish. <laughs> and then more things start happening. And it's like, oh, my God, this this might be the thing. And finally, at the very end, you see the big buster sword and clouds walking, but you see his back walk and then you see Barrett pull up next to him with the arm. And man, that, I mean, as that, as that buildup was happening, my stomach left my body. It was gone. It was on the floor. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. Cause what? I'm like, this can go really wrong. Or this could go really right. How much are they going to show? Is this even a remake or is this like another movie? Like, yeah, I was going through it, bro. What's wild about that trailer was at that time, Square Enix was not developing the game. They had it was a different company making that game. And it when they finally took over, what's crazy is that that trailer, if you look at it now and you look at what remake ended up being, remake looks better than that trailer. Yep. So it, it sure it, does. It, it, it's kind of shocking as to like one of the rare moments where the the trailer, the, the actual game looks better than the initial trailer. So I'm so glad that Square uh, 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 took over that game and made it what it is now because uh, it could have gone it could have gone sideways real quick. Oh yeah, we might not have even got a, a rebirth at all. It might have just mm-hmm. been so bad they bailed on it. But yeah, 
that's where we are. But uh, yeah, man. So speaking of uh, anxiety, nerves, butterflies, a lot of people had all those feelings going through them about the Xbox business update. So what we're going to do, as I said at the top of this, is we're going to dive right into that topic up next uh, in the segment that we call the Checkpoint Chat. Let's get started. It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right, man. So Phil Spencer, Matt Booty, and Sarah Bond. Uh, why do you always giggle when they, I say that man's name? They had a chance. Get a, get that man a different name. They got this man. His name is Booty. He might be proud of that man. You never know. He's caked he out, um, <laughs> cheeked up. Um, but but look, man. Uh, the three of them uh, sat down and joined the official Xbox podcast to obviously sit down and discuss all of the uh, rumors that had been running rampant for the last couple of weeks about um, going third party, about the subject of exclusivity, about Game Pass, about their hardware aspirations, and uh, lots of other things in a, in, a, in a podcast that went a little over 20 minutes long, so it didn't really overstay its welcome, and they really made the most use of that time digging right into uh, various uh, bits of information that we're going to be unpacking here uh, in, in pretty granular detail. Um, we've taken most of the highlights between that podcast and also some uh, interviews that followed uh, with Phil Spencer with The Verge uh, to kind of uh, piece together what the future really is looking like for Xbox and what we think about it. So um, we're going to tackle this from a pretty, uh, a pretty, uh, or a pretty unbiased <laughs> perspective. Pretty, pretty. Um, we do have. See, I knew you weren't gonna let that go. That's 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 the problem with you. Um, he can be totally dyslexic on this show and say things completely backwards, and I let it slide. You know, unless he, you know, gets crazy. But I got a condition. With me. <laughs> uh, but look, we uh, we got a lot to tackle, man. So I think we just need to kind of tackle this from as as uh, unbiased of a perspective as possible. Uh, we are both consumers of Xbox, so we can speak from that perspective pretty confidently. And I think that's a good place to start with uh, you kind of driving us uh, through this thing um, yeah. with the first part of this, which is really the biggest and most controversial thing uh, that they needed to address first, which was the matter of, of exclusivity. So mm -hmm. um, go ahead and kind of walk us through some of these uh, items here. We'll tackle them one by one, Pablo, and, and unpack them as we go. Yeah, absolutely. It says we're exposing my my uh, my issues. I would say that I guess the real reason why I laughed at, at, at Matt Booty's name is because I'm immature. That's true. And I need a, a lot of growing to do. But let's let's go ahead and, and tackle oh, that know. exclusivity. Uh, Xbox will release four games on other consoles to grow franchises and reach more players. The four titles included uh, community-driven games and smaller games that have reached their full potential on Xbox and PC. Marco, do you want to break this one down, or do you just want me to go through this? Uh, no, no, no. I want to. I want to yeah. kind of. I want to park here for a second and talk Let's about get into it. it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that it was clear that that Phil and and team understood that you you should probably give a number. Uh, mm -hmm. If you can't tell us what the specific games are due to, you know, various partnerships. I mean, we've right. heard that some of these games might be shown at the direct that was supposed to happen this week that may have been pushed out because of this. So, you know, you don't want to steal that thunder per se. But I, I, I did appreciate the fact that they didn't leave us kind of lingering in this how many kind of uh, question by directly saying that right. there are four 
bona fide games that will be coming to other consoles. Um, and he for, did pretty much everything besides name the games, the, the way he explained what the game, yeah. these games were, yeah. And, and some people, you know, had an issue with the fact that he didn't outright specify what they were. I didn't really have a problem with that. I was more interested in, in the quantity, personally. So 4, I think, was a really... Um, it, it, it felt like a pretty comfortable number. It didn't yeah. feel like they were giving away the house. I think the big concern was they're just going to start whoring out their 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 whole first party uh, catalog in mass, and they didn't yeah. do that. So I think four feels like a very safe sort of uh, a safe bet, you know, to kind of yeah. test the waters a little bit and see kind of what the interest level is. Uh, but more on that in a second. What are your thoughts about the number? Yeah, I think that the number was important because these rumors and speculations did get out of hand, and and, and it went from Hi-Fi Rush to to maybe you know uh, Pentiment to Starfield and, and Indiana Jones and so on and so forth. So I'm glad that not only did they give a number, but specifically asked if if Starfield and Indiana Jones were part of those, and and he vehemently said that they were not so it's it's good to kind of set expectations also at the start he said usually with these kind of things we would start with abk and move on to exclusivity but i'm glad that he did open up the quote-unquote podcast with with the fact that okay let's just go ahead and nip this in the bud and just tell you there are four games I'm going to give you so much information that you're going to be able to know exactly what those games are without me telling you so I'm glad that he did that as well, but it, it's. It, it, I think that was the best way of opening up this this entire interaction with yeah. us. Yeah, and I agree that that getting ahead of the Starfield and Indiana Jones question was a good idea. If you can't yeah. tell me what the four games are, you can hopefully tell me what they're not. And I think that answering the Starfield and Indiana Jones question, I think that kind of helped put the the strategy a little bit more in perspective when he yeah. talked about, okay, this is really just going to be two community-driven games, two smaller games, but nothing that would really stand out as a console-defining title that really tells you, like, okay, this is an Xbox-ass game. Um, this seems like the, they're going for a much more... Uh, uh, a smaller and more modest approach than yeah. than I think a lot of the rumors were were going on about. But um, let's let's jump into the next item here. So I think yeah, that's really he, important. He detailed too. he detailed that strategy in the next part where he said that this move does not uh, signify that all the games will be released on other platforms. It is strategic decision to just have a few games out there. Uh, that way they can monitor how well this strategy performs and decide whether or not to scale up or to even move to multi-platform releases uh, down the line. So what do we think about this, Marco? Yeah, you know, this was probably where one of my bigger questions or, or maybe one of my bigger points of confusion came into play. Right. Because, I, I, you know, for them going down the road of, like, let's just start with small small fry games i mean no offense to those games but they're you know if they're if they're the games we think they are which is hi-fi rush pentiment grounded and sea of thieves i guess what confuses me is that those are the four games that somehow became the litmus test of their multi-platform vision because to me it feels like none of those four games like nothing about them especially if they sell bad on nintendo and playstation like nothing about those four games would realistically give any valuable insight as to how well Blade or Gears of War or Starfield or Halo would perform on other yeah. consoles. I mean, that those are totally different stratospheres in terms of popularity and, and IP equity. So I'm not exactly clear on what they hope to learn by like going, oh, well... 
Pentiment didn't sell very well, so we should probably not release Blade on PlayStation. Like, that just doesn't really make a lot of sense. So I guess I don't understand what exactly their learnings are, are intended to be by starting out of the gate with such small games that probably don't have as big of a as as high of a ceiling rather as those bigger franchises would but what do you think about this yeah i think the problem is, is that they don't know themselves as to what the future holds for their exclusive uh titles and their and their first party games as a whole i, I think that some of the things that they were saying were very specific and cleared up a lot of stuff but other things i think they were talking out of both sides out of the mouse a little bit trying to set expectations without completely closing themselves off to possibly in the future having a multi-platform kind of strategy even if that means certain games are coming out on game pass six months a year before uh they hit other platforms but that that did confuse me because what does uh, Sea of Thieves have to do with po- possibly Halo Infinite multiplayer, right? That, right? That's not one and the same. You can't say, you can't measure the success of those games out of own Phil's mouth saying that these are basically not system sellers Then to, to then compare that to how they would do to games that are technically your system sellers, you know? So, I think these these are kind of these kind of things are are more marketing talk and things to kind of leave himself a little open uh, to to maybe a strategic change. I, I one of the big takeaways I had from this is I don't think that they have a full uh, kind of strategy set in stone. They have pieces and they have things and ideas that they're putting out there, but in terms of where they're going to be in the next year, even next two years, I don't think they know themselves. I think more or less they're trying to figure that one on the fly, which is a little concerning to me. Well, that leads uh, and, into the next bullet, though. Right, which which Phil, Phil Spencer does believe that there's a chance that there might be an appetite, that there, there may not, not be an appetite yeah. for Xbox, Xbox games on other platforms. He also does not want to create a misconception that this is just the first four games to go multi-platform before the dam fully bursts and everything else goes to the consoles. This is very much a small, measured approach, at least for now. Yeah, you know, and I I think that's kind of bothering a lot of fans right now that Xbox is sort of leaving the door open a crack when it comes to expanding that multi-platform strategy beyond these four games. And to some degree, I understand. You know, I, I get that by Phil saying essentially in so many words, don't count on more, but never say never, that right. that doesn't exactly provide a sense of closure or a mm-hmm. sense of like certainty or security that, okay, I know exactly where I where, where Xbox stands with the multi-platform approach. Um, it does leave room for interpretation, and I know that that's bothering some people, but I think the important thing that they kind of um, mentioned um, is, is that they are kind of becoming more cognizant of making sure they don't go overboard right at the right. expense of like damaging the brand and hurting future hardware which sales which we'll talk about the hardware portion of things later on because i think that's a very interesting piece of of the discussion mm-hmm. so I, I i guess what i would tell people is i understand the concern and i i'm with you there to an extent as well i i would say that it's maybe not things are not 100 percent business as usual but I think it's still a fairly close approximation to business as usual for the time being. And and I think that should provide at least some semblance of security and closure that it's not a matter of weeks or months before everything ends up everywhere. So I think that's but, the important takeaway here. But if, if you're an Xbox fan, you have to be realistic and, and realize who you're backing here, what your platform of choice is, and it's Xbox. And, you know, 
Xbox, for better or worse, is perpetually always in third place. Even when you look back at the Xbox 360 era, when that closed out, when that generation of consoles closed out, they finished off in third place. You know, Nintendo, PlayStation, Xbox. Even when everything went right for them, for the most part, a year ahead of a time, great games, easy console to kind of develop for in terms of what people were saying, and still end up in third place, you know that you're fighting almost a battle you can't consistently win and so at that point you have to understand what phil is what phil is responsible for his uh, his fiduciary responsibilities to not only microsoft but also investors as a business if you're perpetually in third place you have to leave the door open a little bit strategically for potentially finding ways to circumvent that to overcome your constant and consistently being in third place so at that point you have to kind of understand you're 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 not back in the 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 nintendos and the playstations if you look at market share there's just no touching that right now so xbox has to get creative and find ways to burst to to find a get out of that pattern that they've had since they've walked into the console uh, into the console cycle starting with the og xbox i agree i mean it it, they're definitely trying to solve an in, an industry wide problem mm-hmm. that that everyone's facing right now, which is how to remain profitable in a very stagnant market, um, and a market that, to your point, already has front runners in mm-hmm. Nintendo and PlayStation. Um, I, I I think that what I appreciated and Phil talked about it is like he's like the the options were really twofold. We could have either figured out a way to kind of milk more money out of you and monetize you. Or we can kind of look at this approach and see how we can maybe expose some of our franchises to other platforms to kind of see how that helps support some of our, you know, in so many words, our financial goals for the company. So, um, and he's right. I mean, this really is a problem. And I know people don't want to hear it. And even the consumer part of my brain doesn't want to hear it either. But it is a struggle right now for a lot of these companies to really turn a profit on, on yep. a lot of things. Um, and so I, I understand it and I, I appreciated how candid he was about that, but yeah, yep. uh, I am with you on that for sure. Yeah. I think, uh, another part here is that, uh, Phil said that Xbox believes that introducing some of the franchises to players on other platform builds brand value for Xbox and also gives those franchises an opportunity to grow and also to fund sequels in the future. What do you think about this kind of approach? Because I, I, I tend to agree with this. Yeah, you know, good friend of the show, Will. Shout out to Will. Um, we had some conversations about all this. And one thing that he said not too long ago to me that I thought was a, a bar was... He said that, you know, in so many words, it could be that the Xbox brand is sort of holding back some of these IPs from reaching their full potential. Um, And I think that's really due to some of the stigma around Xbox being, you know, the company that kind of steps on rakes and the company that doesn't have games and all the other things that have kind of been either presumed about Xbox or even true about Xbox. Um, And so... I found it interesting that they, they saw this as an opportunity to build brand value for Xbox because if they, I guess if they meet people where they are, which in this right. case would be PlayStation or Nintendo or PC or mobile, wherever, and you, you meet them there, you give them, you extend the olive branch essentially um, without making them have to do a lot of legwork or spend any money on an Xbox console, you may kind of turn around some of the opinions that 
uh, you know, oh, everything Xbox makes is kind of trash. I don't need I don't need that console. And you go, oh, wow, I actually like that Hi-Fi Rush game. Maybe Xbox isn't all bad, you know. Right. And then if you kind of multiply that times a couple of games that that go on other platforms, maybe you kind of get people to sort of have a a, a greater interest in Xbox in the future. Um, I think realistically, though, that's a bit of a reach. I think people are quite content with or without Xbox games being on other platforms. It's it's certainly a nice to have, but I don't think that um, it would really change the way that a PlayStation gamer approaches PlayStation gaming or Nintendo with Nintendo gamers. Um, but it is it is good to see that they're seeing like more than just money opportunities um, by doing this. Um, I also like that they said that it could help to grow the franchises in the future. I don't know if I buy the whole like, oh, this can help fund the project. This is one of those cases where it's like, don't pretend like you're not a $3 trillion company that's struggling for money. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I get that you would fund it if you see enough interest or demand in a sequel. I understand that perspective, but let's not act like this is some like, you know, Kickstarter campaign type of energy. It's really not but, that. You know, to that point, I kind of see it kind of like dad has the money and the kid doesn't. <laughs> and he really is passionate about this, but he has to show his passion so dad can give him the money. Like, yeah, Xbox, Xbox is backed by a $3 trillion company, but I don't know if they have carte blanche, even though they did just buy $7 oh, billion yeah, worth sure of day, but yeah. They don't have carte blanche to just kind of green light everything as sure. is. So I, I think that they have to not not fund. I think the word fund is, 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 is just a word used so we can understand what they mean. I think really what they're saying is interest in that, Hey, look at how many people are interested in this. Let's go ahead and make another one. Um, as or for investing in it. Investing in it, right? So as for you know the 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 whole thing about um, the value of the franchise and and and, and growing it th- that way by putting it on other on other platforms. I, I think I think that there are whales out there with disposable income that might you know that you might get to kind of tap into the xbox ecosystem even if it is through through uh, through uh through pc or something of that sort if you start kind of releasing these games and that sort like when you when you think about games like um uh, outer worlds right it has a sequel coming out soon it's an xbox exclusive from all what from from what we know so far so that game was a multi-platform game when it first came out and so i know there's a lot of people out there uh that that like that game and it coming on an Xbox might push them to, to to at least explore that option if they have the the you know they have the income to do so or access to Game Pass in one way or the other. So th- there are examples out there that 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 kind of lend itself to this that this makes sense, but I don't think that this is the the strategy that's going to take them to to the to the promised land take them to that market share point where they're competing with nintendo and 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 um and playstation but they are at the very least exploring everything it it almost feels like every subscription counts every person that buys a console counts everything counts for xbox right now and you know this is definitely showing that by the fact that they are trying to, to to garner some kind of uh anticipation for franchises or games that may not have that just based on their their names alone uh but phil also kind of made it clear that xbox is not trying to use these four games as a bartering tool or tactic to encourage playstation and nintendo to bring their games to xbox which is i think was good news because that that was a fear that some of us had in terms of like we're doing it why aren't they doing it however i will say marco recently 
uh, Phil Spencer did have those comments about Helldivers too, which were a little bit kind of interesting. Where he goes, "Who does that serve? You know, who's that? Who does that work for?" Like, so in terms of being an exclusive, in terms know? of being exclusive to PlayStation. So the, he's not out and out like kind of bartering for it. But after those conversations he had, it is kind of like, "Hey, but they do have this. We should, we should, we should be able to have that game as well." But anyway, what did you think about that? That those comments. Um. So as far as not making it a bartering tactic, I think that's that that I think is really directed more towards the fans. Um, I think Phil knows that PlayStation and Nintendo are not going to just, you know, oh, you gave us that. Well, here's Splatoon three, you know, like (laughs) I, I think he knows that that would never happen. I think that's more so for the the fantasy that I think a lot of Xbox fans had kind of started running with where, well, if we're going to give them games, then they ought to give us something too. Like this is not ESPN's trade machine where you can just decide, well, <laughs> hypothetically, if we give them Indiana Jones then they can give us hell divers too, and a future first round draft pick or some shit like that, like it doesn't work <laughs> that way. So like, I'm glad that they, two you Zeldas. Know, yeah, come on. So I'm glad that 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 Xbox understands that it doesn't work that way. It's not. It's never going to work that way. And I think fans just need to understand that now. It, it you. It's it's fine to have the wouldn't it be cool if type of conversations, but realistically yeah. speaking, that's that's never going to be on the table, unless PlayStation or Nintendo decide to do it for their own reasons. To to the point of Phil kind of throwing a little bit of shade about Helldivers too. Um, uh, that's one of those Phil go sit down moments for me, honestly, because I can say that same argument about plenty of Xbox franchises that you may not bring to other consoles. I mean, I mean look, you know, Halo like Infinite. Halo Infinite. Exactly. So it's like, all right, well, you know, why don't you pump the brakes a little bit? Don't get mad. Power, at play- Power yeah. World. Yeah. Like, with all due respect, like, let's let's. You know, and I'm not saying this in a bad way or anything per se, but you know, Helldivers Two is successful in ways that you couldn't achieve with your own live service games. Halo Infinite came out and it was in rough ass shape, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I mean, I'm sure you would love to see a successful game come to Xbox, but you know, in, in the vein of a, of a hell divers too, but how about you just kind of do a better job of making sure your live service games come out in great shape at launch. And maybe you wouldn't have to, you know, try to port beg in that yeah, kind of yeah. weird veiled way that he did with that comment. So I didn't like that comment too much to be completely honest. I think it was in poor taste and I think it's hypocritical. Um, and I, I think he's just that I don't, I don't want to hear more things like that. It just feels like he's kind of stirring the pot in a way that I don't think is really a good look in my opinion. But what about you? Yeah. Yeah. That, that comment was just kind of like, all right, man, like I, you you said your piece. Let's not start kind of uh, going too crazy here on those comments because, like you said, you can just you can just go through your catalog and let's see what you can start putting out there without people kind of fucking losing their mind about it, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, uh, and obviously we already touched upon this a little bit, but just to, to reconfirm out here for all the people listening that were not losing their minds <laughs> for the time being, at the very least, let's use the, let's use the Phil Spencer lingo. They won't, they're not planning to release, uh, Indiana Jones or Starfield onto, uh, any other platforms. That's good news. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, and I think this is where a lot of the PlayStation fanboys need to kind of 
relax a little bit because I think their their narrative after this whole thing happened was, well, might not happen yet, but or hey, it's inevitable. You might as well book it now. It's going to happen. I think the reality is that let's go with the scenario that it ends up happening, that Starfield and Indiana Jones will at some point end up on a PlayStation or Nintendo console. Um, I think so many years will have passed in terms of relevancy with these two games that it probably wouldn't matter too much at that point. And if you, let's say you're, you're the PlayStation gamer who will essentially wait it out. You'll, you'll wait for Starfield to come to PS5 maybe someday. I mean, good luck with that if you if that's what you really want to do. If right. you want to wait an uh, in, in innumerable amount of time, indefinite amount of time to hope that Starfield comes to PlayStation, then have at it. Or you can just go play it, <laughs> you know, yep. like on PC or where or on Xbox or, or whatever you want to do. Uh, I don't know if the waiting tactic, I mean, it's certainly viable. It still speaks to maybe you don't need an Xbox technically. But I mean, how long do you really want to wait? I mean, look how long it's take it took for Sea of Thieves to end up coming to another platform. What, five, six years? Yeah, yeah. So who's to say the weight isn't going to be grueling like that. And at, at what point do you just kind of go, all right, well, what am I, what am I taking a stand for at this point by waiting so many years for this to happen and not even I mean, being sure still, if it is going to happen? You know what I mean? That's a whole question. People who still engage in these damn console war- wars has to kind of ask themselves, what are you fucking worrying about? What are you, what's your, sta- yeah. what are you standing on right that's now? That's a bigger what's, can what's, of worms. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, they did uh, move on to uh, Game Pass information. Kind of wanted to, they wanted to clear some things up about ga- about Game Pass, which yep. I appreciate that they did that because there were some concerns in that department as well. And so uh, Matt Booty uh, said that no changes have been made to the tiers, price, or or day one first party day releases on Game Pass whatsoever. He went ahead and reconfirmed that all games that are first party games will be coming out day one on Game Pass, which is good news because there were some rumblings out there like potentially maybe there was a good, there was going to be some kind of change to the Game Pass uh, the, as we know it, but I'm glad that that's not the case. So what did you think, Marco? Yeah, that was one of the bigger fears that I that I heard people kind of talking about leading up to this event. Um, and I I don't know whether there was anything concrete in terms of like insider information that that pointed in that direction or if it was just people fearing for the worst and assuming that everything was just going to fall apart. But um, it was glad to I was glad to see that they're they're not going to be throttling Game Pass in any way, shape or form, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, That means a lot. You know, it's it's one thing to kind of throw the exclusivity situation in a limbo. It would be another thing if you're doing that and you're doing major changes to the Game Pass experience as well. And, you know, last week when we talked about kind of our our state of Xbox address, we talked about kind of like what would make us ultimately leave the platform. And I think we both agreed that making drastic changes to uh, to game pass to a point where there really is no no value proposition anymore um would probably tip the scale in 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 that way for us and make us kind of exit stage left seeing that that's not going to happen i think is really really relieving to me and it's good to see that they still understand kind of what's buttering their bread right now and that yeah. is game pass and they and they also 
confirmed for now for the time being is that Game Pass will only be on Xbox. So, Correct. You know, so another, that's good, also, another good bit of news, yeah. yeah. A good bit of news. And so, obviously, we all had questions about ABK, Activision, Blizzard, in terms of what they were going to do and how that would, how they were going to kind of communicate or, or be together with Game Pass in day one stuff. So, they went ahead and addressed that as well. And the, so far, it looks like the current ABA titles, current, sorry, current ABK titles will begin to come to Game Pass soon, starting with Diablo 4 on March 28th. I, so, I, this one I was a little bit more confused on. Um, How so? Where, where, where they talked about yes, Blizzard games will be coming to Game Pass and Day One. Mm-hmm. I know they don't have to be specific, but when you have such a big title like Call of Duty out there, the fact that it wasn't named by name as one of those games that are going to be Day One makes me feel like this is still kind of a case by case basis. I could just pop probably uh, be reading into this a little too much, but when you have the biggest game in the world in Call of Duty and and you talk about what's coming to Game Pass Day 1 and you just flat out don't mention it, I'm kind of like, okay, so cool, Diablo 4 is cool, but how about Call of Duty? You know, like, is that coming Day 1 as well? Like, I just thought that it would have been really nice for them to clarify that one way or the other. Here's what I think about that. Um, I think if, for those those of you who kind of are in the know, you know that there's an appeal in, in... in the works um whether or not it's going to happen or not uh not is is anyone's guess but the ftc is trying to still fight this acquisition of abk and uh as we all know the the biggest point of contention by and large was call of duty so if i were to hypothesize why they did not call call of duty out by name i think it's because they recognize that anytime they speak those three words together, the FTC is going to look at that, try to manipulate whatever they say into some type of leverage to use against Xbox uh, when it comes to trying to make this whole deal fall apart, which I don't think they're going to be successful with that, by the way. But it's not going to stop them from trying. So for them to outright say, Call of Duty is coming to Game Pass from here on out, I think that's going to feed right into the, you know, the air quotes here, but the trap. Uh, that the FTC is trying to spring on them. I think right now they're probably better suited just leaving that alone for right now. And then when the next marketing rollout happens for the, for the upcoming call of duty, maybe at that point, this whole appeal process is over with and done. And now you can speak more freely and say, Hey, yes, this is going to be a part of it too. Um, so I didn't really read into it in, in any concerning way. Um, I think this is to me, this whole business update was, 22 minutes of, of giving us things to hold them accountable for. Mm-hmm. So when Sarah Bond says all ABK games are going to be coming to Game Pass day one, I'm sure that she knows and, and Phil knows and Matt knows that, okay, we, we know what you're saying without saying it. We, it's and, also and pre-recorded. I, right. So unless you want to have another quote that you're wrong about, which I hate to say, they're not above that. You know, I'm going to take you for what you're saying right now, right? And say, okay, you said it's going to be here on day one across the board. I'm going to believe that. And we'll see if you prove me wrong. But, you know, I thought it was good news and I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Um, How about Diablo 4? How how do you feel about that coming into the game? Oh, 
Um, yeah, yeah. That's to me. I think that was. I had a feeling they were going to announce something for Game Pass if mm-hmm. if Game Pass didn't change um, structurally. Right. I had a feeling they were going to do something to kind of like okay. You know, not only is this staying the same, but we're going to give you this. And I thought it was going to be more of, you know, like more of the back catalog of games from like 360 era and stuff like that because of how much game preservation means to them. But it ended up being Diablo 4. And I think that's cool. It's good to see. Yeah. I think there's also some rumors that um, that it's the March 28th release coincides with season three which is what they've dubbed the big one in terms of updates for diablo 4 oh, so okay that could be a pretty dope uh thing to look at maybe you know maybe maybe those who kind of were disappointed by diablo 4 can get back into it if that update is as expansive eh. and as good as people are saying i'm I mean, good yeah i mean people did get back into like <laughs> what was the diablo 3 expansion that changed everything for oh them, i don't for remember them? I don't remember yeah, the name it, of it. I remember that one came out and it was like everybody's back on Diablo 3, including myself, who, who kind of something Crusade, Crusader or something. But anyway, um, Phil Spencer then went ahead and gave some stats on the actual. This is actually of, Sarah Bond. I, 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 oh. I put this in the wrong name on the docket. Oh, yeah. no, you're fine. Okay, so Sarah Bond uh, confirmed that Game Pass has reached. That's right, because <laughs> the funny thing was is that Phil Spencer was like, yeah, sorry, unfortunately, we had to fire some people. Because, you know, things aren't going great. And then Sarah Bond's like, by the way, whoa, Game <laughs> Pass is going crazy, ho. Huh? Anyway, but no, listen, she she uh, said that uh, Game Pass has reached 34 million subscribers. Now, there's, there's some points of contention with this number now because apparently yeah. the number does include core members. And those core members are con- uh, people who converted over from gold and those those core members don't have access to day one games on game pass. And so people are putting this information together. I think it might've been confirmed by now where Phil said not all 34 million will actually be able to access Diablo four on game pass. So mathematically speaking, this number actually looks smaller. If you're going from people who converted to gold to game pass, the math, a math So I know they try to spin this positively. I, I, you know, I'm not a mathematician. I don't know. So I'll, I defer to you on this in terms of like, how how did you perceive this knowing what you know now? Yeah, you know, I, I guess um, maybe it's not a popular opinion here, but I, I didn't see the, the number being a bad thing in terms of, oh, it, it includes core, Game Pass core members. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good thing because the whole point of funneling people into Game Pass core uh as like that that bottom tier is to eventually get those people to kind of level up to the ultimate tier right so i i think that the 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 interesting thing is that with abk and you know call of duty without saying call of duty coming right. to game pass in the future day one i i expect to see that 34 million eventually the 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 amount of people who are a part of Game Pass Core that are part of that 34 million will probably shrink, and more of those people will ultimately, no pun intended, upgrade to Ultimate um, yeah. as part of it. So I think from that context, I don't see it as a as as like a, a fudged number type of situation. I just see it as like they just got these people into this core tier not too long ago, 
So eventually, you know, it's one of those things where if you hang around a, a barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. They're probably <laughs> going, they're, they're going to upgrade at some point because I think the value prop of spending an extra eight bucks to get your hands on Call of Duty uh, day one is going to be too enticing for most people to pass up, especially if you think about the casual crowd um, that's using Game Pass for basically, you know, saving money and, and getting an, uh, all that access to all those games. I, I expect that 34 mil to be, you know, much more uh, in favor of ultimate subscribers than, than it is at this current juncture. So I think it's a good number. I think that I think that they have the potential to get up to 40 um, if they play their cards right over the next few years by having Call of Duty on their day one. I think that's oh, ultimately yeah. going to be like a really big incentive for people to make the commitment and join game pass especially if you think about maybe them incentivizing with like you know cosmetics or something like that they have to be careful a little bit with that you know because they did promise parody with playstation versions and whatnot but i still think there's things they can do to give you uh, a, a more unique xbox experience through playing call of duty through game pass if that makes sense and i i can see that number going from 34 to 40 in the next maybe two, three, or four years from now. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. I, I think I think ultimately the number is a good thing. It's, it shows growth regardless. Uh, yeah. And, and, and with ABK now coming to Game Pass and, and, and all that stuff, this is going to be, you know, this, this number is going to grow. I, I think it's going to grow, and I don't think it's going to take a couple of years. I think if, if, if they actually get Call of Duty on their day one, as they promised, I mean, this number is going to skyrocket almost overnight, you know. Oh, yeah. So, so that that's good for them, and I, I'm guessing that's what they're hoping for as well. So, then, uh, you know, another fear that that a lot of Xbox fans and people who who just love video games were were kind of uh, were kind of worried about is is hardware. Was Xbox going to exit the hardware space? Were they going to kind of pull back from hardware a little bit? And and they kind of uh, not kind of they 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 were very adamant about this specific part of 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 the the podcast where they said xbox has no intentions of exiting the hardware space at all they believe it that it is an integral part of the xbox experience and they plan to invest more into hardware uh in the future which is i I thought was great news uh that they would they just said it out loud because i you know because they could have easily yeah yeah hardware is part of the hardware is part of the 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 strategy but the fact that they, they they said it's integral, and the part, and and also the fact that they said that you know I like when they say you can play this anywhere, but the best place to play a Game Pass and Xbox game is on a game, Xbox console, and the fact that it is part of their future uh, strategy, I thought it, it this is a great uh, it was a great comment to kind of put that out there. So what did you think? Yeah, you know I was really impressed with how aggressive they sound about their hardware strategy. Uh, we'll talk mm-hmm. about you know a couple of the the, the two major takeaways that came from it uh, in a second here, but they don't seem complacent at all about hardware. In fact, they, they sound a lot more committed to it than than just saying we're committed to hardware. You know, in that really PR kind of way, like they sound pretty serious about like really leaning into the the concept of of devices plural and not just in a way where it's like oh you know well we want to be on your phones and we want to be on every screen like they they do say that but i think hardware is a big focus for them and they understand that they can curate a very very refined native console experience that really could be the best xbox experience to have 
as opposed to, like I said earlier, waiting X amount of years for the possibility of a game coming to PlayStation uh, 5 or 6 or whatever, or the same going for Nintendo. Like, or, you know, playing, streaming a game is never going to be as, as, as good looking or as responsive as playing a game natively, right? So I'm, I'm glad that they understand that even if the, the day comes down the road where plastic boxes go away, which, uh, side note, I don't think that's happening as soon as people think. Um, that that kind of that narrative's kind of getting a little carried away, but I, I don't want to open that can of worms. And I'm kind of tired of hearing plastic boxes are going to be gone pretty soon. Marco, eh. they've been saying that since like Xbox 360 days. Like it, it's just it's it's this thought process that that suddenly they're going to discover something in in the ruins of Africa that's going to enable people to, to stream games <laughs> better than ever be before. No, be, because it's it, it's a magical thought process where it, you well, can't it is, do yeah. it today. You can't do it today. What makes a, you think that two yeah. years from now it's going to be possible? In a world where there are no data caps to your yeah. internet connection, like what the we fuck live are you in, talking about in Florida, there's no like the the providers that we have don't have data caps. A lot of places do. So, you know, imagine burning your data up in like the span of a week because you wanted to know life a game that isn't even online, you know, but because that's what you had, like the Stadia strategy kind of flopped for a reason. And it's not just because Google was Google. It's just because we're really not ready to make that big jump yet. And with the with the, you know, the controversy around, you know, digital libraries and ownership and what what it means to own a video game like I think that from a technology standpoint and just an ownership standpoint, yeah. we're not ready for that yet. And I think people are just ready to jump off the ledge and go, consoles yeah. are going away. No, it, streaming, uh, streaming has to be your side chick, not your main squeeze. It can't be hey, the thing that drives your, your, your business. It's the thing that you have uh, <laughs> that you have as well. That's why, you know, that's why Stadia failed because it was their main thing. And that just, you know, everybody knows streaming is loyal. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that's just the way these things go. But I think ultimately... Uh, there's no way that we're ever going to see. I don't think there's a future or a new future or near future where there's not a box involved. Uh, you know, that's yeah. just the way these things work. Yeah. I know people who have uh, giga internet and they're streaming when they're streaming something. It's still not great. There's that input lag that another thing that they have to solve that they haven't right. solved yet. So and some, and also, we'll- also some people don't want to build a fucking PC that can handle mm-hmm. some of these games. Like, you know, people don't want to dig around and, and, and update their graphics card and worry about drivers and, you know, config folders and all that stuff. Like there is a, there is a, ben- there's a real benefit to buying a console where every game that comes out on it, you can trust is going to run on your box it's never yeah. that like roll of the dice where oh i don't know what's going on let me go to the steam forums and find out what's going on here let me tweet the dev- i mean like <laughs> it's 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 not that and i think that as long as that benefit still exists it's going to be hard to kind of pry the console away from yeah. the core gamer i i know that the kids are playing games on their phones now more than ever but let's be honest they're kids and eventually they will segue into a more uh, let's just say a more refined gaming experience. I, I, I know my nephews have. My nephews went from playing everything they possibly can from Fortnite on a phone to yeah. now only wanting to play it on a console or right. PC, which one of them has because it's the best way of playing it. Yeah, you know? a, lot, a lot of it is like parents kind of ingraining like, here, take my phone and just you know play something yeah, so yeah, we can yeah. not have to deal and, with and, you for a while. And then that kind of happens in their teen years, but they will evolve out of that. They will. Yeah. And the great thing is that Phil Spencer and Xbox know because they've already acknowledged that a new piece of hardware and a new controller will launch this holiday season, which I thought was an incredible announcement. I was like, what the fuck? Pretty huge, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, in an interview with The Verge, he, he 
Phil seems to be keeping an eye on how handheld devices are doing, like devices like Nintendo Switch and the Steam Deck, uh, and see how they are affecting the market the market uh, positively, which suggests that handheld device might be in the works. What did you think, Marco? Yeah, you know, they're really, um, they spoke a lot about that. They did also talk about how uh, the Windows experience on current handheld devices like the Rogue Ally and the Steam Deck is just not very good. So I think they are... At the very least, they are going to commit themselves to making the the Microsoft experience um, better. Um, but I definitely see I definitely see a future where they go this direction. I really I'm do. Excited? Yeah, I I think this is going to probably happen. Um, it just makes too much sense at this point. You know, I think that they have a really interesting um, catalog of games through Game Pass that they can leverage now as part of the, the the allure of getting this device. And I think for some people, there's a good use case for it, you know? We see a lot of people kind of talking about like, oh, you know, I got an Xbox Series S so, so that I can travel with it. And that's that's cool because it's a small little box. It's, you know, it's easy to bring with you where you go. And some people bought the accessory that has a built-in monitor you can attach to it. That's nice and all, but it's still a little bit of work to kind of get the Xbox convenient. on the go. Yeah, not really. That, that's not it. So for them to potentially put out a device that is comparable to the power of the Series X, ideally, or at the very least the Series S, and and be able to have a, a much more portable experience. I think that just compels people to hopefully stay in the Xbox ecosystem for longer. Um, and I think that can be pretty interesting as far as a proposition goes. It is going to come down to price. It is also going to come down to specs. I would love to see this be the most powerful uh, device between all of the ones that are out there right now, um, yeah. because that is the Microsoft money being spent on, you know, really kind of putting their foot in everybody's ass going, hey, we're here now, <laughs> and now we've got the most powerful thing in the market. Um, so I, I would love to see this happen. I don't have a use case for it personally, but I think it would be a great option for people. As as time goes on, my use case for a, 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 a handheld device grows and grows and grows because of my child and, and yeah. all that stuff. Like I, I just bought some joy cons because my joy cons have had drift since the day I bought them basically. And I've not ever replaced them because I only played docked. So I just bought some joy cons. Well, that's just because uh, you're aggressive, but you know, no, I mean, they, 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 my, I, I was one of the ones that I got uh, um, a switch and I got drift almost immediately. And I didn't know what it was because it wasn't a thing yet. You know what I mean? It was just like, I couldn't play the, the, mm. it kept clicking through the menus, but anyway, um, so I'm excited about this hardware uh, strategy about possible handheld. I'm gonna read the next point because I, I I once I have something to say about yeah, this whole thing together. And that Xbox uh, is also determined to make the next home console the largest technical leap you will have ever seen in a hard. Let me read that again because I'm how's that? Oh, the largest that you ever seen. Uh, it's I know Baptist pastor here. So uh -oh. the largest technical leap you will have ever seen in a hardware generation. Mm. Okay, I thought I had an interesting kind of thought about this, like a, a, a thought process. I'm like, oh, maybe this is what they're doing. I went online. I'm not far from the the only person who thought this, and this is not great. This is not great uh, for a lot of people, but I think it might speak to us. Is that is there a future where Xbox, because they're so keen on everything is Game Pass, a screen is a potential place for Xbox, right? That their main console 
seems to be a handheld format. And then their home console is like an $800 powerhouse of a console that is kind of like a niche audience for those who really want the ultimate experience type of thing, you know? Um, do you think that that's possible? Do you think that's a, a viable strategy? Uh, or do you think that that would kind of like just, just be besides the point in terms of what they're trying to do? Well, it all depends on what their goals are. Um, you know, if you want to sell consoles, then you can't. You can't sell them at an arm and a leg. You just can't. So if but they're willing to take a loss, the, yeah. if they're willing to take a loss and, you know, spend a few dollars and hope that other areas of the business kind of make up for it, which I think they're in a good position to do now that they have ABK, I think that I can see them still pricing a powerful console competitively. Yeah, because I was thinking more like the, they're literally a switch where you can connect it to your uh, to your. To your, yeah. to your TV, your monitor, but the more powerful console, like in yeah. this case, it would switch the, the, the S variant for the next gen would be the main console. Sure. And the Elite, quote unquote, would be the, the, the big one. Cause, yeah. Because the only reason I say that is because when you say things like the largest technical leap you will have ever seen in a hardware console generation, that is that is a bold fucking claim because yeah. we're at a point where graphically in terms of fidelity wise these games look absolutely stunning mm. so you might have to fight well, you on that one well i mean in, in a lot of ways they do i mean when you look at okay let's look at the the best looking game on the biggest piece on the and the largest most powerful pc if that's what they're striving for I'm not I don't I don't see that as the largest technical leap we've ever seen. People have already made this point, but we were there with the with the uh, with the 8 bit 16 bits to the 64. Like those were massive leaps in terms of generational hardware. So I don't I don't I, I hope that this isn't bluster and just them saying things to say it because it sounds cool kind of like when they said the Xbox Series X was the most powerful console on the market. I guess technically it is, but it's not taking advantage of any of those things. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so he, here's, well, let me let you finish. I'm sorry. No, no, go, 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 go. Okay. So here's, here's, here's what I think, right? I, I think we are getting to a point right now and we're going to probably see it more in the next year or two where we are going to start to see some concessions start to take shape as we move away from these cross platform releases PS4 to PS5 Xbox 1 to Xbox series consoles right and we get into native experiences we are going to and we're already seeing it we're seeing games launching at 30 frames per second we're seeing games that uh, you know oh it's got performance mode but the performance mode is 720p or you know things like that so and we're already seeing games started to starting to develop frame rate issues now now it's not a stable 30 anymore now it's not a stable 60 anymore and we are you know kind of at least in my opinion we're starting to see a little bit of that like hmm i would i would love to play this on a ps5 pro or i would love to play this on a whatever you would call the series yeah. x you know 0.5 kind of thing I think we're kind of getting there, and we'll probably start feeling that more as time goes on. Here's what I think, though. I think that Sarah Bond's comment about the, big, the biggest technical leap ever seen in hardware generation, it leads me to believe that I, I think that Microsoft and I think that Xbox have no desire to be neck and neck with the PlayStation 6 in terms of, of power anymore. I think they want a full-blown power gap that drives people directly to Xbox hardware as their main place to play games. Because I think that they recognize 
what I think a lot of gamers recognize that power is sexy. Power does make people gravitate to a console uh, or at least put it in consideration, right? If you're telling me that, let's say the PlayStation 6, and I'm just throwing a hypothetical PlayStation fans, I'm a PlayStation fan too. This is just a, a hypothetical, right? Let's say the PS6 can run GTA, 4, uh, GTA 6 at 60 frames with all the ray tracing bells and whistles, blah, 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 blah. But the next Xbox can run it at all the same visual settings, but at 120 frames, um, whether you're online or offline. Like, I think they want that kind of obvious difference in power to make people go, damn, I played the so, shit out of GTA and I can go play it at twice the frame rate over there. Maybe it's even 8K capable because that's eventually going to be a thing. You know, we don't think of it now as a big deal, but it will be at no, some no, point. No, it will be. I mean, it's an so, what if they go that route? And now, now that now every digital foundry video, Pablo is, well, guys, it's the same story as usual. Yeah, the Xbox is a superior but, version. That's going to wear people down eventually. Here's my thing. In theory, you're absolutely correct. My the the the, the problems that I see with that is, are they go, are they going to get th uh, third party developers on board? Are they go are they going to be able to to permeate and, and get through the market share uh, stratosphere that they haven't been able to break yet? In order for 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 third party developers to then actually uh, you know make the game that they want run on that Xbox console, or are they going to have to just make concessions on that console because they have to make games for the for the PlayStation Six, which is pr is probably going to be the bigger in terms of like sales wise. So like. Uh, I get what you're saying, but it's like you got to get other people on board in order to kind of see your, your vision come to fruition. Uh, and, and then also on 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 that point, I, I do think that what you're saying about, you know, having uh, having the most powerful console is important. And I think that that's a really good strategy to kind of force their hand in terms of like you like power. You want the most powerful. Like, this is the, the box that we have. So I do like that from that point. But ultimately, it's it's the fact that you got to get everybody else on board. And right now we're seeing where Xbox Series X games are not performing third party games are not performing as good in some cases at PlayStation 5 because it looks like the PlayStation 5 is the primary console in which developers are using to yeah. develop those games. Well, I think the answer that that Xbox would probably tell you is that the proposition for third parties now is like making a game for Xbox is almost like it's like a, a four in one. Like you, you yeah. make it for Xbox and then it's playable on an Xbox, then it's playable streaming, then it's playable uh, on your PC and it's playable at some point, you know, with the Apple situation, it'll be playable on mobile. So it's like a four in one proposition of gamers are going to be able to access your, your game four different ways. Whereas right now on competing uh, on competitor platforms like Nintendo, it's a one stop shop. It's all you get. You get one console to make a splash. And if they don't have a, a use case to play it in different ways, then that's just kind of them's the breaks kind of deal. Um, PlayStation, yeah. we'll talk about what their strategy is looking like in, in a little while here, but um, they're heading in a somewhat similar direction. But I think Xbox is really leaning into like you make it for one thing, you make it for everything. And that's yeah. why I think they talked about Pal World and that like this is what it can be 
if you kind of do it that way and, and we kind of help elevate the game and not the game elevating the console type of deal. So I think they're really thinking creator first, which is why they talked a lot about that in the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I hope that's the case because that, that would that would at this point then make that largest technical leap. Yeah. You know, it, it would make sense. At it would that validate Because, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's enough for them to be like, OK, now you can run games at 64K because for me, that's the next logical step in the next generation of consoles. You can't have the next generation of consoles in running 30 frames 4K anymore. Right. So like sure. even if, if, if it were just 64K, I don't think that's the largest technical leap. That's the next leap that you have well, to make in order to make a, a, a console. The next console uh, makes sense. You know? Yeah. But we also got to think about things like the, the, the use of AI, the way that Microsoft right. has the AI, you know, uh, market, how they kind of include that into games with, you know, we've heard things like NPCs and AI techniques with like game testing and stuff like that to make developing games easier to do on Xbox from a certain standpoint. So I think that they're looking into this next gen thing, not just from a hardware leap, but also from like how, how much better is it to develop games on Xbox? Now I'm not a developer. I don't know, but I would imagine they want to make it as easy as, as, as pie to, you know, get people to, you know, continue supporting the platform in the future but yeah right right yeah no i agree with that all right so you know look man we, we kind of tackled the big things here but i want to kind of dive into some takeaways you know we, we've talked about all the granular details but i want to kind of zoom out a little bit and and ask you a couple of questions here and i'll, I'll kind of uh, piggyback off of where you go and i want to start with this one and i want you to think of this question strictly from a consumer standpoint only right. after the podcast after the business update do you feel better, worse, or roughly the same about Xbox now? I'll be honest. C- coming off the business update, I-, I felt better about Xbox. But as I kind of set on it and and, and 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 let it marinate a little bit, I actually think I feel the same. I do think that there's some clarity in terms of the short term. But long term, I think there are too many doors that were left open, too much talking in circles in some aspects, mm. where I don't think that they made me feel better. But I've always felt pretty good about Xbox to begin with. So uh, I do think that by tempering some of the expectations based on those wild rumors, uh, that they're pretty much where, where they were always were for me. Uh, so I think at the end of it all, if I would have to say that I do feel pretty much the same about Xbox as I've always felt about Xbox. Okay. How about you? Um, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from there. I think for me, I actually feel better. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I walked away from this thing feeling 100% satisfied, but I, I did come away feeling fairly positive. Um, I think the real kicker for me, well, there was a, there was a few. The, the measured approach they're taking to the third party strategy. Um, I really appreciate that they're, they're, they're dipping their toe in the water instead of jumping right into the deep end of the pool here. And I think that's significant because they understand that there is a risk of damaging your brand and making pretty much, pretty much eroding and invalidating buying an Xbox in the first place if you go too hard in the paint in this, in this direction. So it seems like they're, they're, they're proceeding with caution, which I appreciate and they're starting off with games that are not console-defining experiences. That was the big thing for me. Yeah. Um, are you going to completely jump the shark, or are you going to kind of serve some of the complimentary bread to the table and go, what do you think of this? Okay, well, now we'll give you an appetizer, and now we'll give you a main course type of game. And I, I like that they're kind of heading in that strategy uh, right now. I think 
ultimately for me, Game Pass staying the same is a huge plus. Again, not throttling that is a very big deal to me. And I love how aggressive they sound with, with the hardware. That was probably the most exciting thing, to be honest, for me. So I'm feeling really good about that. Um, ultimately, though, it's it's going to always boil down to the games, right? Yep. That's At the end of the day, all this stuff is great, but you know, the games have to bang in order for any of those positives from this thing to, to like truly matter. So, you know, I hope that the games that are coming this year and next year can really, you know, set them up for success, but they can't really keep coming up short in that area and expect all the other dominoes they want to fall to fall because people will just end up doing what they've always done, which is default to PlayStation or stay on PC or go with Nintendo. So, and I, I think that's really going to be the, the key for them moving forward. You know, like even when Sony isn't cooking our food, they will hire personal chefs to keep us eating good with, with yeah, those like yeah, third yeah, party yeah. exclusives or second party exclusives. Right. But when you have the Ninja Theories taking seven years to give you, you know, this quaint little seven hour saga after promising us a full course meal, that just can't keep happening. So even though I feel better about being an Xbox consumer now, I think the game part of it is where I have the most concern um, that they, I think they need to get ahead of soon and ideally sooner the better. But um, yeah. that's kind of where I'm at from a consumer standpoint. Um, now I want to shift gears, Pablo, and talk about this strictly from a business standpoint. And on that front, do you think that Xbox is plotting an effective strategy here? I think they think so. <laughs> uh, okay. They seem I, they seem proud uh, of themselves in predicting the future of gaming. Phil even kind of shared his philo- philosophy on exclusive of the f- on future, saying in five to ten years he doesn't think exclusives are going to matter as much as they matter now. And, and honestly, when you look at what the Xbox One was supposed to be, they weren't far off from that mark in terms of what consoles are today. You know, like Always Online, DRM, etc. And when you look at Game Pass and how that's inspired EA, Ubisoft to have their own kind of Game Pass-esque things, Nintendo and PlayStation also doing something, I think that they, they know... At the very least, they know where the, the market is shifting towards. Yeah. And I, I, I am very much uh, I, I'm very much confident that that what they're saying, at the very least, they have data information and where they feel like this is going uh, where, where this is going. And, and obviously, ultimately, I think it's speculative, but uh, I do look at, at, at the past uh, of what they've done, and I am definitely, you know, on board. I do think that it's a little concerning, a little scary, because usually when you look, when people say, in order to look at the future, you have to look at the past. And if you look at the future in which Xbox is talking about, the past does not indicate any of those things. You know, the past is about exclusives. It's about hardware, you know, uh, being st- uh, stuck to one hardware and kind of getting everybody to go to that hardware based on those games. And Xbox, is, at the very least, is, is, is talking about something different in terms of their approach. So I could see why that would be concerning for some, but strictly 
from a business standpoint, I, I think that they're 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 not a for, Fortune 500 company by accident. You know, I think that they have their their fingers on the pulse. And even though that might not be shown in terms of how many consoles they're selling, a lot of what Xbox has done in the past and a lot of what they've talked about uh, doing in the future uh, it has come into has come into reality in more ways than one, and a lot of more ways that people want to admit. You know, so I'm I'm confident that at the very least they are in in an effective they are they think that they are an effective path for the future of of, of gaming. So that that's that's comforting to on some level. Yeah, I, I think that um, to answer the question from, from my point of view, I do think that they have a strategy that can work. I, I do believe that. I do believe that there is something they can tap into with um, particularly the next generation. I really think that's where they can kind of reset and redefine what Xbox is going to be and, and change the narrative um, with a fresh start. Um we're probably a few years away from that happening, which is fine. But I think for that strategy to become effective, they do have to kind of solve the here and now. And the here and now is that the consoles aren't moving. The games are not really making a huge splash to people. And unfortunately, your messaging has been kind of unreliable, right? So you can have the greatest strategy in the world, but if you're not effective at communicating that strategy, or it takes you having to do a, a podcast like this and be reactive instead of proactive, then I think there is a problem with how you're executing said strategy. So right, right. they have the right plan, I think, in place. It's just going to come down to the way that this team sort of rallies together, stays on the same page, aligns on their messaging that they, that they you know, give us consumers and even stakeholders uh you can't have tim stewart saying different shit than phil spencer saying that's that's got to stop satya nadella has to decide whether he's going to be talking about xbox on behalf of phil or if phil's going to be talking about xbox right because we can't keep having wires get crossed like this in the future um that is ultimately going to undo any good strategy um so they have to get better at that part of it for sure uh, in yeah. order for what they're planning to do to actually work and be effective and resonate with shareholders, the gaming community, with the media, and everybody in between. So that's kind of my two cents on that. Um, question number three, Pablo. This is another hypothetical. Um, Pablo, all things considered, would you recommend Xbox to a new gamer that is looking to invest in their very first console hardware and very first gaming ecosystem? Or is PlayStation or Nintendo a safer entry point at this stage of the game based on their more stable history? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the problem with the... The issue here is that it depends on what games they like, right? Because obviously Nintendo, PlayStation, Xbox. Let's say they, they like. Let's for the sake of argument, let's say that yeah. they're they're very open to anything, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that at that point, I, I I think Xbox would definitely be a a a good place to start. I okay, I, I do think that because the fact is, is is Game Pass is is 
is instrumental to to to, to Xbox's success. It's also a, a, a something that has, in, in a lot of ways, changed the, the the entire industry, and for better or worse, in some cases. But for a consumer to come in and be able to buy their first console and then have uh, the Game Pass available to them, everything that Xbox has ever done, first party is on that uh, on that platform. I think that's that's something that it's it's hard to to it's hard to, to ignore because if if you get into playstation and nintendo you're also going to have to put in a good amount of money to, to be able to enjoy what they offer in that sense now obviously when you're looking for stability playstation and nintendo they do offer that but i think with everything that, that has passed in terms of what, what they said at the business update i think that they're very much in it to win it or at the very le- at the very least in it to survive or or strive to stay in the industry. So with the fact that is that the, the fact is that they're in the hardware game, they're going to stay in the hardware game. They they they're, they're buying up massive companies in order to bolster their Game Pass library. I think it would be a ve- I think I would recommend it without issue because of all those things and, and, and what Xbox is doing with the Game Pass platform. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair answer for sure. Um, and and I agree. I think it's a very recommendable console. I just I don't know if I would put it ahead of PlayStation or Nintendo, to be honest, if I'm recommending it to somebody, because even though the Game Pass component is is a critical piece of that puzzle and a huge benefit, I think the problem is kind of twofold. I think number one is I wouldn't know what the flagship Xbox defining game is for that person to play. You know, like what is the recent game in the last 10 years that came out on Xbox that is the definitive this is Xbox game that Gears 5. (laughs) So that's why I would say, you know, PlayStation and and Nintendo have answers to those questions, right? It is the God of War Ragnaroks and Last of Us. It is the Mario's and Zelda's. Right. And uh, and I think that that kind of matters because, yes, you can have an endless array of options via Game Pass. But or you can look at it from a standpoint of, hey, I just kind of want to know, like, what is the what are the best PlayStation ass games to play? And I I would look in that direction and go, yeah, I think you have a better chance of getting more interesting experience that that way than, you know, just kind of having a a big buffet on Xbox. Right. I think the other part of it is I think that I think that also the history bodes well in in pitching playstation or nintendo they've been around they've had a couple of rough patches for sure respectively um but i would feel a little weary like recommending an xbox knowing what you know the 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 opinion of xbox has been like you know oh i heard you know xbox has kind of been like last place a lot are they are they actually that good you know like i would feel better saying hey nintendo and playstation is more likely to have a stable situation with uh, a, a, you know more games that are available that you would probably resonate with than Xbox, which has been a little bit more inconsistent over the years, especially the last 10 or 12, right? So I think from an image standpoint, I would feel a little bit more confident saying, eh, maybe, get, maybe get a PlayStation so that you're not going, why the fuck did he recommend me an Xbox when everybody's saying Xbox sucks? You know what I mean? And that's a shitty thing to kind of factor in, like what people are saying online about it, but unfortunately, that's the world we're in. Yeah, but and I wouldn't want people to time- feel like I set them up for failure by getting an Xbox. Box, right at yeah but i mean we're, st- we're we're steeped in this in in, in the gaming stuff so like sure. for a new gamer to come in and 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 kind of be like this is microsoft's video game console and you pay 18 dollars a month and you get 
an unlimited supply of video games right at your disposal, including every new game that comes out that is made by first party games. Like you, you can they can hear Xbox sucks, but then when you tell them what Xbox is, they're like, that doesn't sound terrible. Oh yeah, you know on what paper I mean? Xbox sounds so, amazing. Yeah, so it's like it's one of those things where like if it's a new gamer, I, I don't think that they would think these games or, or that what Xbox is, is is bad in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but yeah, I, I do agree that if, if you're looking for that the, those kind of marquee games, Nintendo and, and PlayStation has those in spades. But I don't know. I just think in terms of an investment and, and in terms of like what it is, I think that you can't go wrong with recommending to a new gamer uh, an Xbox, in my opinion. But, yeah, totally. But fair. you make good points too, you know. Yeah, I mean, I would still recommend it, but I would just kind of caveat it by saying, "Hey, you know, some of the games aren't always amazing, blah blah blah, you know, and maybe you might prefer something else on the other side of the spectrum." But uh, that brings me to my last question before we move on, Pablo. And I want to shift gears here, and I want to talk less about the Xbox situation and more about the insiders uh, about this whole ordeal. So, wh- what do you have to say now that we know what we know from Xbox? They've debunked some things, they confirmed some things, but we kind of realize that a lot of things we heard leading up to this were just not true so what do you have to say about how these so-called gaming insiders air quotes again uh how do you think they handled this whole situation what went wrong here and 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 it's not even the insiders there's a lot of like big publications and people who who are trusted uh pundits in the video game industry also kind of fell into this trap about reporting uh things that might not have been completely confirmed i think that it's hypocritical i think we're in the same place here where we're always talking i think it, it no no nuance to anything i think that when you have these 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 big pundits saying hey you know this console war sucks people are always fighting and always doing this and then you're kind of fueling that and then turning around and telling people don't burn in that fire that i'm making is kind of crazy to me you know especially w- w- with what we're seeing here um you know I-, I guess sometimes facts aren't as good as embellishing upon them you know because a lot of the things that were said were true but maybe they weren't dire like you know the, the whole under consideration is such a vague term that you can use that you can hide behind it when when it turns out that the game you were talking about isn't really coming to, to other platforms but you know you can hide behind it because you you never said it was coming you said it was under consideration everything is under consideration what are you talking about you know like so it, it just felt a little bit kind of like this was such a possible momentum shift in the video game industry that people couldn't really do what they always do in terms of doing their due diligence and finding out where this is coming from coming finding out who is saying this where the where this information is actually uh where it's beginning the inception of that information the genesis of it where is it at and and how and going through your processes as, as you always do to confirm or or debunk certain things i don't think a lot of people did that here i think that they saw something they ran with it because it's such a big piece of information this isn't a a, a leak about a potential sequel of a game or a, a potential game that might be coming out that people wanted to see no this is a shift a mo- a potential monumental shift a a possible death of a console and to become a, a publisher the dreamcast sega situation in in the in 2023 2024 so it's kind of like one of those things where i think people got really excited 
and unfortunately they were exposed and, and and they look really hypocritical right now and to the point where I don't think some of them are, are handling well are handling it well because some of them are kind of sticking to their guns in ways that they probably shouldn't be sticking to their guns even though if what they said was mildly true or had some truths in it I think that you know some have actually apologized and some have come back and be like you know I think I, I, I bought into this a little too much and wanted it to be true because it was such big uh, news but ultimately it, it exposed a lot of insiders a lot of youtubers a lot of content creators and unfortunately some trusted sources some people that i look look to for information which i still will because i mean they, they they do have good sources and whatnot but when it came to situation they got a little shit on their face man they they, they ended up getting a little too excited here and doing a little too much yeah you know there was a lot of opportunism I think as yeah. well in, in terms of, you know, this is a big topic. Everyone's talking about it. How can we use this to drive traffic to our website or YouTube mm -hmm. channel or wherever, right? Patreon, you name it. People were starting to use it as a, as a clout chasing move, as the kids say, you know, like how can I get attention? And it felt like it turned into Every game that was rumored to come to Xbox seemed to be more outlandish than the one before it, to the point where it felt like like everyone was kind of grandstanding. Well, I heard it's Starfield. Well, I heard it's Indiana Jones. Well, I heard it's Gears of War. I heard it's under, Halo. You know, and it's like under consideration. Where does the buck stop? And and where is all of this coming from? And how many people are really talking to all of you at the same time about this? Um, We've even seen people go the other direction. Uh, certain Xbox personalities kind oh, of yeah. took it as an opportunity to say, well, I got insider information that said that none of this is happening and tried to do it staged live on air. And, you know, it, we know who I'm talking about, but it was it was going in every direction known to man. And it was like, this has yeah. got to stop. And so I think that you're right. I think that these people who have access to people in the industry who are in the know have to do a better job of vetting your resource, vetting your, your sources. Can you do your due diligence to make sure that the information that you're about to reveal is truly ironclad or is it outdated? Have Xbox already pivoted away from that? Uh, is it actually happening? When is it happening? Who's telling you this? How reputable are they? Do they have an agenda? Like, it feels like the filtration process of bringing a rumor to the public was completely thrown out the window for this yeah. because of how big of a deal and how big the ramifications of this big deal would have been if everything we heard was 100% true. So this is really <laughs> – I... go ahead. I kind of think it's like the worst case scenario in terms of how it played out because there are people out there uh, who were like on their shows like, oh my God, I just got this big news that's going to change everything. That could go either way because if it was like everything is coming out and everything, that's the news that I got. Or it's like nothing is coming on nothing. That's the news that I got. And it, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And so now they seem like they have a lot of egg in their face. Like, so why would, why would you get so shocked over the fact that everything we – that that the truth is somewhere in the middle. Like it's just, it's just a lot of that bullshit that, that kind of was all over the internet. That's really, it's really made for a, for a messy, messy situation. Yeah, it did. And, and I think from, a, from, from a business standpoint, and you, you mentioned it earlier, all these companies are considering all kinds of things. 
and most yeah. of which you'll never hear about. You'll never know about. And if a lot of you knew what Nintendo was thinking about at one point or what PlayStation was thinking about or what Xbox was thinking about, you would be clutching your pearls all the time. It just so happened yeah. that this particular story ended up going out to the masses and it grew legs and it you know took on a life of its own, essentially. And what this has done is, at least for me, and maybe for our show, is it's made me kind of reevaluate how to sort of index and, and validate rumors moving forward. Yeah. Um, it, it, become, it became clear to me that, like I said, the way that rumors are being sort of vetted out is just not in a good place right now in the gaming space. Yeah. And at this point in time, it's, it's really hard to kind of want to talk about rumors at this point because it's a lot of wasted energy and wasted thought on things that probably have a good to great chance of not even happening. And so I think this has made me, especially in the case of Xbox, take a step back and go, okay, I need to kind of let Xbox do the talking. Now, that still means that Xbox has to do a better job of talking to me yeah, because yeah, we've yeah, got, yeah. they've got problems of their own in that area. But ultimately, for you know, there's a lot of rumor mongering about Xbox over the last couple of years. And it's getting to a point where everybody knows somebody that knows somebody, but nobody really knows how to parse anybody. the information. <laughs> and that too. Yeah, nobody really knows yeah. anybody either. So it's like you're putting your name on the line for someone you really don't even know that well. And again, you don't even know what agenda they have. So I feel like... We all need to be more careful about how much credence we give to rumors moving forward, how much credence yeah. we give to insider information. Now, does that mean we're never going to talk about insider information or rumors on this show again? Probably not. But I think when it comes to the like industry yeah, we got moving, some rumors in our hit points we today. do. But when it comes to like industry changing, like this is going to drastically change you know, the landscape of things. I think we all, and, and, and we'll own part of it too, we'll, we're going to take more responsibility and kind of taking a step back and letting the chips fall where they may first and not jumping off the ledge. Not to say that we really did that. I think last week we did a good job of really just speaking about Xbox more holistically and not necessarily yeah, yeah, yeah. lasering in on the rumors. But um, it is something that I think everyone's going to have to be more cognizant about moving forward because I think we all got spun around in a circle and it's really the fault of these insiders that kind of wanted to, you know, make a name for themselves or they thought they were doing some service to the community by, by giving us the heads up, you know, and here we are now and maybe 20% of what we heard is actually true. And that's yep. just a weird that's a weird place to end up after all those weeks of fear mongering and worrying and worst case scenarios. So uh, hopefully there's a lesson to be learned across the board and people will look back on this era and go, yeah, let's not do that again. You know what I mean? Um, but I digress. We digress. And we are going to move forward, Pablo, uh, to the next segment of the show. Before we do that. Just a friendly reminder that our show is not for everybody. We're not for console warriors. We're not for X-Bots or ponies or whatever you guys are calling them out there. We're not for the easily triggered people who can't agree to disagree on very much. We're not for the closed-minded people that only see things one way and one way only. Uh, we are really for the open-minded gamer who is unafraid of hearing a podcast that doesn't pull punches and calls it down the middle. If that happens to be you please uh, consider subscribing to our show wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We are here every week with our honest takes about all things video games. 
and we'd love to have you join us. So uh, check us out. If you don't, it's all good, but why not join while you're here? Uh, but nevertheless, Pablo, let's get back on track, dude. Let's talk about some games we're actually playing right now, and let's do that with our segment called Loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, so we got some new games to talk about this week, Pablo. I'm going to give you the floor here and yeah. uh, kick us off with what you got in your list today. Yeah, I mean, uh, wrap it up. Last chapter of Like a, Dra- of like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth, but I got a little sidetracked because a little game came out called Banisher's Ghost of New Eden. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Banisher's is Donut's spiritual successor to Vampire, which was their action RPG Vampire. game from a few years. Uh, vampire, vampire. Yeah, it's, it's vampire. Yeah, see, yeah, I keep right. see people saying vampire, vampire, but you're, you're probably why why put a Y if it's not vampire. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's their action RPG from a few years ago. Uh, like vampire, Banisher leans heavily on its moody world building, uh, its deep lore, and like horror like atmosphere and aesthetic that really kind of permeate through the entire game. I guess if you want to get an idea of what I'm talking about, it's games like Sinking City, The Call of Cthulhu, Sherlock Holmes, Year One, and in our favorite. Uh, Plague Tale, that kind of ambiance that they're creating in that world, that, that's kind of where they're really putting all their other chips in. Um, coming into Banishers, honestly, I, I knew it's a game that I wanted to play. I enjoyed a lot of Vampire, uh, even though it's the game did feel a little bit, uh, it didn't feel completely cooked. There are some things about it in terms of like the gameplay that didn't feel great. Uh, but, you know, uh, one of the things that Vampire did is it created a very interesting world, and I think that Banisher's Ghost of New Eden is all about that. I I really, really, really enjoy uh, my moment, the moment to moment experience that I'm having with this game. This game, despite some gripes I have with with some parts of Banishers, I have to say uh, this game is is way better than Vampire ever wanted to be, uh, and it's just a really really good video game. For better or worse, it still shares those kind of things that I didn't like about Vampire, but the level of polish and evolution and newness to the formula makes Banishers feel like the far superior experience. Uh, I'm immediately drawn to the game. It has this unique, like ever present sense of place. Like the dread is palpable. You're, you're you walk into New Eden and you're talking to these people and the music is swelling in the back and it's like this creepy ambiance music and the way they're talking because it's pre-colonial, pre-United States, uh, Massachusetts. So the way those people are talking with the British accent and kind of it, it just really puts you kind of like in a sense of place. Um, to kind of give you some background on the game itself, you play as two banishers, two uh, ghost hunters, to, for lack of a better term, and both of these uh, uh, these banishers are are they're they're romantically involved. The marketing shows what happens, but I I, I wasn't even though I kind of paid attention to the to the marketing of the game. I, I was kind of shocked. So I was kind of shocked as to what happened. So I'm not going to spoil it here. But okay. there there are moments that happened in the very beginning of that game that were like holy shit moments, and those moments then. Uh, really permeate through the entire narrative of the game. There's decisions that you make that feel... Remember in, in Bioshock when you had to either harvest a little sister or save a little sister? Yeah. And how that choice is so clear as to what was good and what was evil? Yeah. You, you, you're presented with that choice, except in this game, the, the quote-unquote evil choice <clears throat> is, 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 is viable because of what that means to a specific character. So you are stuck in this position where you have to make a 
obviously evil choice, but it is beneficial to, to a character in the game or make the right choice, whether it's to ascend a ghost or banish the ghost. And once you make a decision, you are locked, not locked in technically, but you are locked in in terms of narratively to your oath. And if you ever break that oath at that point in time, it, it then also adds to a narrative negatively. So there are things that are compounding to this narrative constantly that would lead you to a good, bad ending or somewhere in the middle. And it's all based on specific choices. And none of it would work if the characters weren't compelling. Because if the characters weren't compelling, the the, 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 the evil choice to make for a specific character wouldn't matter at all because you wouldn't give a flying fuck. But you care. And, and they really, really make that they make that possible as early as possible as early as the game starts right when the game starts the character the writing you feel a connection to them almost immediately i i think that the main narrative of the, of the game is very interesting but it's those character moments and each end of each quest that presents you with that that choice that really kind of speaks to to, to me in, in that sense and really what's what make this game uh, what makes this game specifically unique um i will say it's not perfect I know I mentioned Vamp uh, Vampire had some issues with its gameplay. There are some of those issues here. It's not as fluid. The animation isn't as great as it should be. It feels a little bit like you're you're swinging aimlessly. There is a lock-on system, but even then, that doesn't work great. Uh, but it's still fun enough to play where it isn't a complete miss. Uh, there are certain things that you get, certain upgrades that make the game fun to play, to engage in combat. Some really cool looking kind of moves that you make. So in terms of the animation for those, they're, they're really super dope. So the game does everything else so well. The narrative, the writing, the characters, all that stuff that you kind of tend to forgive a little bit when the gameplay isn't as great as it should be because this ain't no god of war right this ain't this, this, it, it's not that is it an action rpg what like what is the genre right it is it is an action rpg technically but it is very 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 light on rpg okay it is it is mostly action but it is it is very narratively driven very uh conversational choices a lot of those uh throughout the game Got that it. lead to, to different things so it's it's a narrative it's it's an rpg in that way but really it is an action orientated game um visually the game is is does benefit from unreal 5 uh in terms of making the game look nice look clean look decent it isn't the best visually uh stunning game at all sometimes facial animations are downright ugly you know kind of look like ps early ps4 xbox uh one type Ooh. of animations at times uh but I, I the game does run really nice as well so ultimately this game is is, is a game that really benefits from all these things working in unison and working well sound is an absolute standout it's kind of like 50 percent of the game in terms of where it puts you how it makes you feel the conversations you're having you understand what what's what's happening what could happen based on musical cues that that are, are they, they work really well and they and they do a great job here of that but yeah it, it's a good story the back the backdrop of a pure horror atmosphere is amazing steep and interesting and detailed lore with good writing interesting characters um i i i love it i i think it's i told marco it's a dangerously good game because it, it, it's a game that is really taking me away from 
the infinite wealth of, uh, of, uh, of the year and even Helldivers 2, which are games that are absolutely standouts and games that I love, but there's something about this game. So interesting. I, 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 I'm a sucker for these games. I know I play Sinking City and that game is a fucking mess, but the, the, the world building of that game is so interesting that it really drew, drew me in. And this game is that without it being a mess. And I, I really love it. And I think Donut did an absolute fantastic job with this game. Nice. Yeah, I'll be playing this pretty soon. Hopefully after I finish Rebirth when that comes out. But yeah, good to hear. All right, awesome. Oh, good. I'm glad you're going to try it out. Yeah. Um, so I, I do have Ubisoft Plus on Xbox. So I did try the um, the, the quadruple A masterpiece that is <laughs> Skull and Bones. I'm not going to dwell on this, guys. It's it's what you expect. It's it, it's an arcadey battle, uh, uh, shit battle game that never feels really good to play. Because, I mean... You think about being a pirate, and you think about Black Flag, which is where this game came from. It's the it's it's where it birthed from, and it doesn't feel like Black Flag at all. I mean, it, it, the the boats feel almost like little micro cars that you can turn on a dime. You're shooting the cannons like almost like mini guns. They don't really have much of reload time. It's all about going into these battles, duking it out with 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 other ships, and going on to the next thing. Uh, I guess there's some enjoyment to be had in that, but in terms of the game and the quality of the game, Eve's Gearmoth should be fucking embarrassed that he called this game a quadruple a this game is fucking not that it's it's barely double a it's thin mm. as fuck it, it, it doesn't have a lot going for it and the moments that you think like okay well it's a pirate game makes me feel like a pirate i never felt like a pirate you know it's there's there's a ship aboard uh, a ship boarding mechanic that you don't board the ship you just when you get a ship down to a certain amount of health you can hit that and then it'll just play a little woo we did it we boarded the ship without you ever going on the ship and actually duking it out or fighting with anybody the only times you're off the ship is kind of like see at these when you're in these ports and you're going to the port master to get your, your your upgrade your ship or ship fix that's all that this game is it is paper thin barely no content it's barely double a quadruple a kiss my ass like if this game were to if this game were to come out out of nowhere and hit Xbox that people would play it. I, I, I can assure you, people would be like, oh, this is kind of an interesting, fun, arcadey ship battle game. But the fact that it has the stigma of being in development for of almost a decade, the fact that it's worse than Black Flag, a game that came out years ago, that the fact that Yves Guillermoin said that this game is a quadruple A, that's why it's $70. Like, bruh, you are full of shit. You're trying to move the first week units as, fa- as fast as possible so we can forget this game ever existed that's it that's all i gotta say about that holy shit, shit that was like stepping out of a tornado <laughs> damn. Yeah, it's, it's, um it's... i'm talking about you um oh. damn man man damn i mean you were on you're on like a world tour of like playing bullshit between uh suicide squad last time skull and bones uh. this time I, I mean, what's up next? Balan Wonderworld for you? Like, where are we going with this this, I mean, this journey I of yours, Listen, man? Well, I mean, look with with uh, with, it's Ubisoft Plus, and I it, I almost wanted to 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 kind of like it just experience the bullshit. You know what I mean? Just to be able to see what exactly this this game was about, and I <laughs> hope that maybe I would be pleasantly surprised, but I wasn't. Yeah, it's getting reviewed like crap right now. It's currently at a sixty on uh, Open Critic. Banishers is at an 81, which is pretty good. I'm glad to see mm-hmm. that. It's getting reviewed well. But uh, yeah. yeah, man, sounds like a little bit of a mixed bag uh, over the past week with you. Uh, one good game, one Buddha Juice game, but uh, oh, yeah. that's where we are. Um, look, man, as for me, um, 
just two brief updates. Uh, I'm still playing a lot of Helldivers 2, uh, playing with a good friend of the show, Will. Um, jump on, play with him. He makes fun of my fit. Uh, we go out, explore some planets. Um, <laughs> he said I looked like an extra from KOTOR. He said I looked like I was wearing something from Too Human back in the day. Oh, Too Human. Between Ooh. him and you, y'all ain't no good to me, man. I ain't got good friends <laughs> at all. Um, but still having a good time. We, we pulled up on some new planets, uh, which were really captivating to look at. Um, actually shockingly so to the point where you're like standing back and marveling like that planet is bright neon green like it's it's just kind of jaw-dropping at times um and it was pretty surprising because the initial planets that we were in were very they looked like very procedurally generated places and this is a lot more dynamic there's more weather effects um you know more storms and day and night cycles that will really look really good so um kind of surprised that um, the game is definitely becoming a little bit more captivating from an environmental standpoint. And as far as the fun factor goes, it's still there. Um, we're trying higher difficulties a little bit. Got our asses handed to us, but had a blast in the process. It was a lot of fun just kind of seeing just how much this game will throw at you. Um, and this game throws it at you. And it's it's a lot of fun even when you lose because it, you just everything's going to shit. You're kind of scrambling. You're improvising on the fly. You're trying to do those stratagems in real time, which are like the, the D-pad button presses. That, <laughs> that's so, it's, I'm glad they, that, that's so oh, cool they did that It's that so way. tense, but um, we're having a ball playing it. Um, so, yeah, still a good time there. Um, Tekken 8. So I, I still really, really enjoyed the game. I did decide to go ahead and send it back. I, I rented it via Gamefly because I wasn't sure if I was going to really like stick with it. Um, I sent it back, not because I had a bad experience with it in the end. I actually really loved the game a lot, just as much as I did uh, last week. Ultimately, for me, though, it, it turned into a case of like... I can only commit so much of my gaming time into getting better at the game skill-wise. So what was starting to happen was as I was playing more games online and ranking up and moving up that ladder, then I ran into the big boys. And they were Ooh. they were like, uh, excuse me, sir, can you hold out your hands? Uh, we're going to, here's your ass, okay? <laughs> and, and so that's that's kind of what it turned into after a while. And I'm like, all right, this, you know, I'm, I'm coming up on... Final Fantasy pretty soon. I'm still playing a lot of Helldivers. Pacific Drive comes out next week. I've had my eye on that game. Uh, let me send this back for now. Later in the year, when Tekken 8 is inevitably on sale, pretty cheap, I'll probably pick it up again and just keep it, you know, keep it installed, come back, play a couple matches, dip out, that kind of thing. <clears throat> but I still stand by it. Everything I said last week, I, I still believe in. It's a fantastic fighting game. Uh, it just weirdly drew me in and kept me compelled to keep learning and getting better. But as I said, just with so many other games on the horizon now, just not a game that I can really give as much of myself to as I really want to uh, based on how great it is. But still a high recommend for me. Still one of my favorite uh, fighting games that I played in recent memory and a game that I'm going to be definitely talking about in Game of the Year conversations, for sure. Um, but that's going to do it for me, man. And that's going to wrap up Loadouts this week. So with that being said, it's time to segue into our final segment of this week's show, which is the new segment that we call Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right. So we talked a lot of Xbox at the top of the show. But uh, they weren't the only company in the headlines. We actually have some headlines about both PlayStation and Nintendo uh, in our new segment this week. And let's start with the, uh, the blue team, uh, because Sony's latest financial call uh, has revealed some new information about the trajectory of PlayStation. 
And so there was three big pieces of information, Pablo, that I'd love for us to unpack. Um, and I want to start with the first one, uh, which is that PlayStation will not release any games from major existing franchises before March 31st of 2025. Instead, they could be just focusing on new IP, remakes, and more second or third party exclusives. So Pablo, a lot has been said about that. A lot of people kind of conveniently left out the existing franchises bit in in some of their little narratives online. But um, given what we now know, as far as not getting any big sequels before March of next year, how are you feeling about that? And do you think that the strategy of maybe remakes and second and third party exclusives and new IP are enough to kind of make up for that? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I I didn't think we were getting them anyway. I mean, I think Ghost of Tsushima was was the only one that I was hopeful for, but we still didn't think that was gonna happen really you know there was like Mm -hmm. they haven't really talked about it they haven't announced it so (laughs) at this point i don't know we were really confident that that was ever gonna happen and and, you know you you look at here where they say major existing franchises but even then you know you got mlb the show which is a first party sony game coming out this year you have the rumored astro uh astro's playroom 2 coming out this year possibly and then you have it's supplemented by like probably the biggest game of the year in, in Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and and what Helldivers is doing. This is no problem. No problem at all. <laughs> there's no there's no issues here. I mean, look, you know, uh, we, we got a lot of the, those existing franchises. We got a lot of sequels out of them. You know, we got the Forbidden Wests. We got the Ragnaroks. We got uh, Spider-Man 2. We got them out the way. Like, you got to give them time to, to, to make some games. And, and it, it makes total sense for me here that they're waiting uh, till, the, the you know, till March. This actually, if anything, this really just confirms more or less the the timeline for Ghost of Tsushima 2, right? In, in terms of when that might be coming out. And, you know, with Rise of Ronin coming out, they, they, they don't want to step on toes, I don't think, especially if they made these deals and they're publishing these games. I, I think this is fine. I think this is, I think this is them being open about certain things, but business as usual. I don't think that anybody expected, anybody who was like, in the right mind expected uh, any major first party releases this year we knew coming into the year that it was probably going to be a down year and in, in the first party uh, front and this is fine this is not an issue at all uh yeah what do you think Marco? yeah i mean i i think it's um it doesn't it it doesn't really make a huge difference to me obviously i'd love to see some major existing franchises come out this year. I'm not saying I don't, but I I do believe that what they have kind of set up this year in terms of the relationships they've cultivated with second and third parties, um, when you think about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, when you think about Pacific Drive, when you think about Helldivers 2, and you think about Stellar Blade, and you think about Rise of the Ronin, and now the list is going to kind of fill out a little bit and you're still getting experiences on PlayStation that you really can't get anywhere else either uh, permanently or for a time and I think that's a pretty big deal I really do I think that's still good and, and we're not even counting like getting remake of uh, the remake of Until Dawn I know people are not really high on getting any more remakes from PlayStation but that is still coming out this year so and that also doesn't exclude the possibility that we may see a new IP come out this year Concord is an example of a game that might come out um, we've heard that Blue Point 
point is working on an original IP. So maybe Ben people have to remember. Yeah, Ben could be working on something original. We have to remember that this all happened in a financial call where you have shareholders that want to know how the safe bets are doing. So like, where is the next 100%. Uncharted? Where is the yeah. next? You know, where are the established franchises at that we can count on for our money? Right. So when it comes to new IP, that's not really interesting to these shareholders because they don't know which way that's going to go. So it doesn't mean that no major games are coming out. It just means that nothing that we are currently in the know about in terms of existing franchises are going to be coming out this year. So that's a very important distinction to make. Um, So I don't think there's anything really to write home about here. I think it's just been kind of weaponized in the ongoing console war on the internet, which I don't think anyone should be participating in that shit. Um, But nevertheless, I think that it's still going to be fine. And this also doesn't mean that we're not going to get announcements of new games from existing franchises. It just means they're not going to come out. We may very well get an announcement of Ghost of Tsushima 2 this year. We may very well see what Naughty Dog is working on next this year. So it's not that we're not going to hear anything from these studios. It's just that we're not going to play anything from them. So I think people kind of need to pump the brakes and not take this to a level that it doesn't need to be. I think that it's going to be fine. It really is. Um, Second part of this is that PlayStation also said that they believe the key to improving their profits will come from expanding their first parties to a more multi-platform focus with, quote, other platforms like computers, end quote, according to Sony president Hiroki Totoki. It's important to note, though, this does corroborate his quote from a previous interview that we talked about on this same show, where he confirmed that PlayStation Focus is going to be console, cloud, mobile, and PC. Because he did say, wherever there is computing, that's where we'd like to be. And those were the examples that were rattled off as part of that. So, again, Mm -hmm. the internet kind of took that as, oh, PlayStation is going multi-platform just like Xbox. You see, not exactly true. They're just talking about those four pillars. So, with that being said, Pablo, how do you feel? I mean, consoles like computers. Consoles compute. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) I think think that... um, yeah, this is this is business as usual. This is actually big news for PlayStation because they're they're they've always been pretty staunch on their first party games being console exclusives and being nowhere else. Like yeah. they've left money on the table by not releasing their major IPs day and date on 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 PC. And I think that we're looking at, at at the next point that we're going to talk about, looking at where we're at here with with kind of like the the industry getting a little flat in terms of moving consoles and making money. I think that. What they want to do is 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 not leave themselves out in the cold. They don't want to keep leaving money on the table. And I think all this means to me is that there's going to be a focus on possibly releasing games day one on PC along with PS5 and having a more focus on on, on things like like uh, like cloud gaming, yep. like they've never had before. I, that's all this means. I I you know you, you, I will say though, uh, you know this is this, this is the same path that Xbox you know, started on, you know, with, with releasing games on PC, but they were, they were forced to do that for other reasons. This is a, the other side of the same coin, maybe, but th- we have to still remember PlayStation is a market leader. And the reason they're doing this is because of certain aspects of the industry that are happening right now. And again, uh, they're, they're seeing, the, they're seeing, they're seeing how successful a game releasing day one on, on, on PC is with Helldivers 2. And if they are going a more of, of a live service game uh, thing, if they're going to release more of those games, it would only behoove them and only make sense if they release these games on PC day one as well. So this is, again, 
business as usual yep. uh, for, for PlayStation. Uh, this is a new part of, the, of their strategy, but I think it's one that it makes a lot of sense. I, I think it makes more sense for them to do this than not to do this. So, And it doesn't devalue the, the purpose of having the console either, which, you know, no. I think the PC day, date thing is going to be a big, a big, big thing moving forward. I would even say probably every game from 2025 and on is probably going to be a day one simultaneous release on PC and uh, PS5 uh, for sure because yeah. I think they just you know seeing Helldivers 2 doing those numbers on Steam I think that's from here on yeah that w- more of that please says Sony you know so that's kind of what I think is going on and, and, and like I think Thor I mean not Thor sorry I think uh, God of War Ragnarok released what a couple of months after the console I don't remember released. exactly yeah. and, I, and I think it did like with 98 98,000 concurrent players kind of like after the hype of that game died down so imagine you know if you released that game day one what those numbers could have been it's oh, a yeah. single player experience you know so it, it, it has a small window of, of that success so the fact that ninety-eight thousand people still joined in to play months after that game was pr- not as relevant as it used to be just goes to show again leaving some money on the table so it's smart for them not to do that yeah and the last thing they talked about, Pablo, which uh, you know also made people a little bit concerned, is that uh, maybe the end of the PS5 is near. Uh, Sony believes that the PlayStation 5 is approaching the latter stages of its life cycle, and they have uh, accordingly adjusted their Q4 sales forecast from 25 million to 21 million after they missed their Q3 target last year. So, how do you feel about this kind of being? in so many words, the beginning of the end of the PlayStation 5 uh, and, and the end of the life cycle as, as, we've, as we know it. Um, what are your thoughts? That's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we haven't tapped into the full potential of these, uh, of these consoles. Yes, they came out yeah. during a time where, you know, COVID was, was, was you know, it, it, was, it changed everything, you know? So I, I, I guess it makes sense to a certain extent, but to hear them say it, how these consoles are already running their course, it's tough. And and, and the thing is, when you look at what these consoles were pro- promised and what they're actually doing, it, it, the consoles were, I guess, in retrospect, a little bit underpowered in terms of what their expectation was for these games running at 60, 4K native. And, and that's just not the case. These games aren't... Uh, are, these consoles aren't able to handle that specifically, so it makes sense. But it's 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 it, it's tough to hear where it's like, damn. I just feel like I just feel like I got these damn consoles, and already we're 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 beginning to to wind down here a little bit. So I don't know. Uh, it, it's a little bit of a, a tough pill to swallow. But you're looking at everything here. I mean, the, the the market is flat. You know, even PlayStation is suffering from that. You know, I saw people oh going from 21 to 25 million. That's a lot. You know, when you're forecasting something and, and, and you're and you're and, and you're cutting it to 21, like that's it might seem like nothing, but that is that is a chunk of, of users that were that uh, a chunk of growth that they're missing that they were expecting. So it goes to show even PlayStation Five being this this monster of a, of of a of a of a company, they're they're almost that it's almost detrimental to them because they're always need they always need to grow and the fact that they had this record breaking sales with these consoles now they're reaching a point where that's declining a little bit now they're like fuck what are we going to do to to keep the growth happening uh and the answer to that would be blue chew Okay. See, that's nasty. That's um, nasty across my legs. Technical blue chew. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what a way to ruin this whole podcast. Um here's the deal. 
to me, this is one of those cases where it's like, this is what you get. Um, when you yeah. when you decide you're not going to lower the price of the PlayStation 5 a drop. In fact, mm-hmm. you you made the digital skew more expensive when you did the redesign. Oof. When you decide not to do that and you're not coming down on price, then yeah, you're probably going to have a hard time maintaining momentum at some point in time or another because you're not you're you're just you're you're staying stagnant at price-wise. You know, you shouldn't really be the same price in 2024 that you were in 2020. That's just not normal, right? And so yeah, you know, your numbers are probably not going to stay great forever because you're just not meeting people where they are financially right now, especially with inflation and, and the cost of things going up across the board everywhere. What are you kicking? What are you kicking about, bro? How shitty is Sony? They're like, yo, we're not selling these consoles at this price. Fuck it, shut it down. Yeah, <laughs> well, we're, we're at the end of it. Yeah, well, you know, and the other part of it is that look, you know, the reality is, even though you know some people are more patient about it than others. They had a weak year last year when it comes to first-party exclusives. So, you know, again, and the same argument goes with Xbox. When you don't make games that drive people to the platform, people are not going to come. And, you know, I think so. To me, I think it's a mixture of a couple of different things that are contributing to this. Price and software kind of slumped a little bit, with the exception of basically Spider-Man 2 um, in 2023. So, yeah. Um, As far as the end of the life cycle goes, though, this is going to be a little controversial, but... I can't fucking wait until this generation is over. <laughs> I'm so over this generation. I am ready to move on. I am tired of the PlayStation 5 situations, their business strife, Jim Ryan leaving, Xbox is all in in a weird space too. The Series X and S are all in weird spaces. S is holding the X back. Uh, games are coming out a little with, with caveats. I'm over it. Like I think both Would of you- these companies need a fresh start. The sooner the better. Would you say this is one of the worst console it's cycles? It's the worst. Okay. It is I the so worst console generation I have ever participated in, ever. I I think so, too. I, I Actually, I, I know it is, because even though the Xbox One was, uh, uh, it was a terrible, um, you know, the PlayStation 4... It really, 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 really brought that that generation up and, and did things that, it did. you know, people only dreamt of. Yeah, so, so yeah, man. I, I agree with you. This is this console generation. It's crazy to hear, but it feels like it never really started. It feels like it never got rolling. You know, yeah, never. it just feels very stuttery and sputtery, and it's it just doesn't feel good. I think I think both companies need to really come into the next generation in, in a very different way because this wasn't it. This wasn't it for mm-hmm. either company. You know, and I'm not saying I didn't have good experiences on either console. I did, sure. but compared to the potential they, these consoles had. Nowhere close to reaching them, in my opinion. So, um, but speaking of new consoles, Pablo, that segues into your story. So, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Yeah, VGC is reporting that Nintendo has delayed Jesus Uh the launch of their next console from this year to Q1 2025. According to their sources, third party developers were recently notified that the Switch 2 launch is being delayed to prepare a stronger first party lineup for the console. So what do you think about this? Is you think this rumor is true? Does this delay make you feel confident, concerned, or indifferent about Nintendo's next gen delay? Man, I wasn't expecting that that Nintendo would not be ready. You know, um, I right. I want to say I'm actually a little concerned. You know, like do I think Nintendo is gonna 
pull through and be fine? Of course I do. Nintendo is in a very, very unique position where they are just... If you think PlayStation's dominating, they don't hold a candle to what Nintendo can do. So ultimately, I think things are going to be fine. Where I get a little weirded out is because of the reason. Like, you need to prepare a stronger first-party lineup for the console. So... It's weird because they're 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 still announcing shit to come out on the Switch that I would imagine probably could have just been brought over to be a part of the first party lineup for the new console. So it's a little weird that they keep throwing these new games on the old hardware. Literally, maybe even as is next week we might even see more Switch new new Switch game announcements. You know what I mean? So like, why are you doing that? but also being unprepared with your first party lineup for the new thing. Why not just bring everything over there and bolster the new console since this console here is clearly on its last legs. So Marco, it's a bizarre yeah. strategy. It's not a bizarre strategy because this isn't true. I, I don't think this is true because this is so everything that, that, that they said the reason for delay is so not Nintendo. That it doesn't make any sense. For reasons one. Like, one of the reasons is, like, February is usually a time where they have a Nintendo uh, Direct, right? But this time, it's a partner Direct. A lot of people are speculating it's because they have something coming down the line to announce the Switch 2. And what difference does Q4 make to Q1 in terms of your development of games? Usually, Nintendo is very good about pocketing games. Games that they have ready to go for the next... The, the rumored Donkey Kong game has been rumored forever alongside the, the Mario Wonder game. So... It just doesn't make any sense to me. I think again, this may be some sort of of of, of issue where third parties are getting some information and 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 and, and that's going through the, the the pipeline and being misconstrued as a possible delay. Like, cause I, a lot of the rumors on, on the thing was like the speculation about the delay is coming from the third party developers because they're being told, hey, this game that need to be ready here doesn't need to be ready now. It could be ready by this time, and so they're thinking, is the console going to be delayed? I don't know. I this could very much end up being true, of course, but I just this. There's too many things that you've literally, you literally just laid them all out that don't make any sense because they're so anti-Nintendo. Nintendo not being ready. Nintendo not having launched games, and even though they're launching all these games now on on on, on this old uh, piece of hardware. I just don't believe that this is... I, I, I really believe that in the next couple of weeks, this rumor is going to be shot down and completely, uh, you know... Be be exposed for being some kind of misconstrued information in the pipeline because it just doesn't make sense to me at all. Well, Usually, when you see these rumors and things that happen, you're like, I can see that happening. I can see that none of this makes sense. None of it, not a single part of it, makes sense to me. Well, here's the thing, though, and this is why I I'm not really gonna go all the way there with you on that because okay. this is the first time that everyone is is developing for this console, right? So. What is the what is it like to develop a game for the new hardware? Is it easy? Is it difficult? Is it easy, but it's just taking some extra time to get their bearings and and really tap into the full potential of what the hardware can actually do? Like I I do think that there is probably some some part of this might come to that in some in, in some capacity of like hey, this is everyone's first attempt at making a game for the Switch too. So yeah, it's it's probably going to be 
you know, a little bit longer of a development time. And then, you know, when they get to their second project and their third project, then they'll have a better handling of what, what it actually means to develop, what the, what the workflow should be like, um, and how realistic the, the, you know, the deliverables need to be to release the game. PlayStation and Xbox rely on third party. They just do. Nintendo doesn't. I just I also find it a little hard to believe, which that's very shrewd and makes a lot of sense as well, that Nintendo would completely change their plans because of third party. You know, it's 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 especially well, since it's because of change, it's because of the first party. Well, well, no, they're saying that third party. The whole thing is that third parties are are being informed that the console's being delayed, and that they're they're being told that their games need to be ready by Q one. But yeah, they yeah. don't know exactly why. Right. But I, I but what I'm saying is I don't if if you're saying that the pipeline with 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 third party is that they don't know exactly what they're what's happening in terms of 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 developing for the console. It might be something new that maybe Nintendo's holding out for them. Is that what you're implying? Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if Nintendo would specifically do that because they've never relied on third-party support to bolster their their sales or even their relevancy within the market. So I'm sure that they're going to want to create those partnerships and and create those relationships with those third-party people. But I just feel like it's a little crazy to me to think that they would change everything based on third-party support if they have their first-party games ready to go, which I believe that they do because they they, they wouldn't... It's unlike them to be ill-prepared for a console launch is, is, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I guess if the rumor is that they're they're trying to prepare a stronger first-party lineup, then I think that it's not the third parties that are the problem. I think it's the first-party lineup that's the problem. So that's kind of why I'm saying... Yeah, but, I, but what I'm saying is like that part of the rumor is speculatory compared to what actual third-party people have been told directly mm. by Nintendo. You know what I'm saying? It's like... The, the, why, why would they know that is, is what I'm saying mm. a, 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 other than they're being told why maybe Q1 is when, when the console's coming out. It, it, it's kind of where I'm at. With well, that. I guess it, it, part of this is we don't know what the third-party developers are making either. It could They could be making right, right. ports of games that already exist, True. so maybe their process is not really going to be long anyway, um, whereas Nintendo is more than likely making original works for the console, so maybe that that's and, that's part of the, the lag. So, And to your point, maybe third-party studios are making Nintendo-specific games, for launch that aren't ready yet so yeah, it could be that maybe nintendo was actually waiting on exclusives made by third-party studios that aren't ready mm. which is like a ubisoft kind of deal you mean like yeah yeah or like a like a like astral chain where you know it's made by oh, platinum, yeah, platinum games yeah. but it's specific to 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 nintendo console maybe they aren't ready and uh. maybe nintendo was kind of waiting for those third-party exclusives to hit around that launch window and maybe they do have to delay it based on that yeah i mean overall um you know i'm concerned but i am also indifferent at the same time and i guess yeah. i'm indifferent from a personal level because uh, you know full disclosure i don't really plan on buying this console at launch i'm probably going to wait it out for a year or two to see what you know kind of what the cadence is like and what the games are like before i kind of dive in Nintendo's not really an essential for me at at this point in my gaming life so i'm going to probably wait it out anyway but you know, if, if you're somebody who is dying to be a day one owner of this, like I'm assuming you are and many other people are, oh, you know, yeah. I can see why, you know, those four, those those couple of months delay can be, you know, can feel grueling because of how long we've been stuck with the old dusty switch. So um, but yeah, you know, either way, I think they'll end up being fine. 
And we know that when they do announce something, they are they have all their ducks in a row um, from how they announce it to all the details and what the games you're going to play are. Uh, so I have full confidence they'll they'll be they'll be ready. But you know, again, we're back to the rumor mill again, right? Like how much yeah, yeah, yeah. how much do maybe we that's validate where I'm at. this anymore? Yeah, that's you know? maybe where I'm at. I'm yeah. so mentally burned out from insiders that I almost don't want to take anything seriously, but. You know, we'll yeah. we'll entertain this one because it was kind of unconventional to hear that Nintendo is kind of trailing behind their their projected timelines um, in a way that we're not used to hearing. So that that, that and, was interesting. And, and considering the sources that they were coming directly from third parties, right. with, with dev kits and all that, yeah, yeah, worth worth mentioning for sure. Yeah, uh, but look, we have uh, covered all the bases this week, Pablo. We talked about the games we're playing. We talked about Nintendo. We talked about PlayStation. We talked about Xbox. We checked every box we can think of, so hopefully all of you listening to this week's show uh, had an entertaining time listening to us blabber about video games, and uh, if you did, you can subscribe to us if you're so inclined. If you've already done so, you'd like to leave a quick review on wherever platform you're listening to us, or uh, you know, hit the thumbs up if you're listening to our YouTube audio version of the show. Please feel free to do so. It goes a long way for us. Uh, you can also catch us on social media. We're at It's Cooldown Time uh, on Instagram and uh, X slash Twitter. Uh, we started doing some spaces recently, uh, just for some quick hit thoughts about some things that are going on headline-wise in the industry. So might be a good reason to go check us out over there. Uh, follow us. So that way you can catch up on those things, too. So uh, in the meantime, appreciate you for checking out this week's show. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. Take care. Make me feel...